Look at your city or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report, folks. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. When I say beautiful, it's uh, uh, a nice 84 degrees, a little, uh, well, partly cloudy, but uh, winds from the south. Stormy weathers, giving you the weather report here from our northwest Pennsylvania. I'm just kidding, folks. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining the Hagman and Hagman Report, uh, where we broadcast live every Monday through Friday. That's uh, Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, right here at our flagship station, the Global, uh, Global Star Radio Network. Thank you so much, Global Star, for carrying our program. We're also simulcast on Blog Talk Radio. Thank you so much as well, BTR. And you can find us, you can watch us live. And then today, we're, this is going to be a, uh, a visual, you know, a um, uh, kind of a visual program tonight. Got some things to show you. But you can watch us live and by archive right here. Uh, at our official YouTube channel, I want to thank you for tuning in there. And it's really interesting. We 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 do the analytics on YouTube, and it's very interesting that um, what we find with respect to uh, the analytics. And you, you know, we um, it, it, the numbers. It's not they're not real. I'm going to tell you right now, the numbers are not real. Um, if you measure certain, if you if you measure certain things, yeah, I, I can tell you the numbers. The numbers are not real. Uh, at any rate, don't forget, folks, we have uh, two different websites, Hagman and Hagman.com. That's our show website. And, of course, HagmanReport.com. That's our news prep website as well. And we've got a number of staff on the road and elsewise busy tonight. So I just want to let you know that uh, we're understaffed and short-staffed, although working through it, they're working through it as well. Um. Of course, I'm Doug Hagman at the helm, fellow investigative researcher Joe Hagman, something I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team. Now, we have a lot, a lot of things to get into tonight. No guests scheduled tonight. Yeah, we're just going to leave it at that. Okay. Uh, 
we're going to have a little uh, conversation. We're going to have a conversation with someone here later on uh, this hour, but uh, no no guest uh, in terms of being a guest program. I want to direct your attention before we get uh, started here. One of the big headlines that um, is is out there. The superbug that doctors have been dreading has just reached the United States. Now, I've got a lot to say on this. Now, I know Joe has been working feverishly on some other things. And at the end of the episode, you're going to see where the roads intersect between this superbug and the information Joe has. Now, before continuing, I just want to mention tonight's program portions thereof brought to you by wholetoneslive.com wholetoneslive.com have you gone to wholetoneslive.com yet if you haven't oh do yourself a favor please go to wholetoneslive.com read 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 the background of wholetoneslive read their their purpose Read their origin. Understand what Whole Tones Live is. And you know, download a free sample. But the free samples don't do justice to the entire CD. They really don't. So after, after tonight's program, order your CDs from WholeTonesLive.com. I guarantee you, it will revolutionize your life. That's wholetoneslive.com. Again, there's talk of a superbug that doctors have been dreading that just reached the United States. Folks, things are not as they appear. I'm going to turn it over to Joe here momentarily, but, but I just want to let you know things are not as they appear. I had the opportunity today, ladies and gentlemen, to, to have a lengthy, and I mean quite a lengthy conversation with Steve Quayle. And um, we talked about a number of things. Sometimes, sometimes Steve and I talk for could be five seconds or five minutes. This was a marathon conversation today. We talked about a lot of things. And one of the things that we talked about is where he was twenty years ago and twenty-five years ago, as he likes to say. You know, I've been on the radio for a quarter of a century. And he has. And he's been warning people about this stuff for the last 25 years. Now you're seeing it come to pass. And of course, 25 years ago, he was called a, you know, a, a raving lunatic for even suggesting this stuff could be possible. Oh, you know, he's a fear monger and doom porn guy. Well, you know. And, and he and and he told me today. He says, "You know what? If if I could just walk away, I would." He's to that point, and uh, I can't say I blame him. It was it was coincidental or serendipitous, perhaps, that right after our conversation. I just had a wonderful conversation with Pastor David Langford after that. And uh, the reason I'm bringing this up
I don't know how long we have. And, and I really want everyone to really understand that statement. I don't know how long we have. Our, our lifestyles. You, you know, the, the world is not going to end, okay? Um, well, I, hey, it might. Who knows? I don't know. But the stuff we're talking about is not the end of the world, okay? Life is extinct, you know, a planetary, an extinction-level event. No, no. No. It's just going to be really really rough and changed for a lot of people most people but you know the unfortunate part about this is no one really wants to address this head on in the mainstream media it was interesting because yesterday I had a, the opportunity to uh, I, I had a, a couple of appointments and, and I, I stopped into a convenience store and um I purchased a, a local newspaper, and on the on the front page was a was an article about uh, just about the, just about the economy, and it was so far out there. It was so far, it was so wrong. I mean, I looked at this, and I'm thinking, you know, how many people really who get this newspaper? And, and we're talking at least at least uh, two hundred thousand people really believe what they're reading. And then you look over at the USA Today, and you see the headlines there. And you look at the the New York Times. Depending on what story you're at, you can see a whole whole slew of newspapers. And, and the funny thing is, is if you if you pick up, we'll say the New York Times, and if you pick up if you pick up uh, a Cleveland Plain Dealer, or I mean, whatever newspapers, they're running the same stories. Pretty much, except for the local section, with the same verbiage, written essentially by the same people. Or the brainwashing, the programming is complete in this country. And, uh, but Steve and I were talking about this, and, and, and he said, you know, I, I just, I don't know how long we have. And I'm, I'm sharing that with you. I don't know how long we have, you know, Joe and I have on this platform or, how long that we'll we'll have the ability to, to broadcast. And I'm not saying that for any other reason except to say if something that takes us out or something impairs your ability, your ability to get the news from other sources. Please remember everything we've said or tried to. Please remember that... Uh, Well, don't 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 stop trying to find the news. Go to shortwave if you've got a shortwave um, radio. And certainly, Joe and I are going to we are going to be broadcasting on shortwave. I know Pastor Langford is, and uh, Steve Quayle has, and others. But even beyond that, um, I'm a big proponent of paper, paper pen. The a lot of people were laughing at me at, at the last conference, saying, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe that you have a you have a daytimer." I mean, seriously, I can't believe you still have a daytimer. You really you, like a uh, carry around a yeah. daily calendar planner? Yeah, yeah. I can't believe you you have one of those. And I said, you know what? Unless I erase it, nothing ever is deleted. 
I can always find the information I'm looking for. <clears throat> and it gives me, uh, I don't need power. And, and what I'm suggesting, too, and the reason I brought that up is what we are going to be doing is um, we're going to be sending out. I'd love, I'd love to be able to, Joe, and, and you can chime in here, too. One thing that we want to do, because we know there will be a time when we're not going to be able to communicate over the airwaves. And so what I'd love to be able to do is send out hard copies of, of new, like a newsletter kind of thing, you know, by, by mail. I don't know if it's even feasible to do that. But, Email, mail. Well, I mean, if we don't yeah. have, you know, I mean, of course, if if we don't have power, well, yeah, you know, yeah. that would be a problem across the board. But well, I mean, not to really get bogged down with logistics here, but we'll say the scenario, an EMP type scenario hits, people are without power, society as we know it breaks down. Would the mail can even continue? Uh, well, you know, that's a good question, I, and, I, and I think, um, I I, th- I think the scenarios that we're looking at. I think there would still be mail. The, no, I'm, the scenario is we are looking at, okay, not, not that I'm looking at. You, what are you laughing at? I don't want you to explain that one to me after the show. What about mail? I mean, just I just envision you know complete rioting and panic, well, people even killing each other war. in the street, and a mailman walking down the street, finally <laughs> you know, delivering mail. But, but see, okay, if you look back at history during the Civil War, there was still mail, okay. There was still mail delivery during the Civil War. And it held up pretty well. And you have to go back and study history and, and understand history. And, of course, that's why. Do you know that, and this is a kind of a little bit of trivia, why is there a residential mail delivery today? What was behind that? Do you remember? Do you know? Well, one well, you wouldn't census. remember, but do you know? One is a census. Um, no. Two is, is uh, purposes for the... Grid utilities, the the city to understand not only no no yeah not here here let okay. me let me help you out during the Civil War uh, the towns uh, the townspeople would go to the the general store basically to get their mail okay and the Union Army if um, for, for as an example would send out notices of the death of the soldiers to their next of kin by mail. Well, what happened during the Civil War is when when the townspeople would gather and go to the general store and get the mail, the, the women would go and uh, with their children or whatever, and they would get the notice of the death of their loved one. And create spectacle, you know, cry. As, I mean, I don't mean that, you know, but it would be a problem. So rather than doing that, the government expanded to residential delivery to avoid that scenario. And, and not, not so much as a convenience for the people, but to avoid that scenario. Now, you're going to read, for example, well, that's just a wives tale. That, that's not true. But when you, when you study history, and you look at that time, and you look at the decisions that were made, that is true, at least partially. But anyway, I, I just I just thought, you know, the mail service, um, uh, who knows? But, but certainly I'd love to be able to keep in touch in the event something does happen by uh, by a hard copy. And who knows, you know, when by the time, if the mail went down, well, then 
Okay, then I guess we're cooked uh, unless we have, uh, you know, face-to-face meetings. And maybe we can do that, too. Before, you know what, before we go any further, I just want to acknowledge something here. I mean, I'm going to have to move this. Hang on. Getting old. Those of you watching on YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> that train's left. I'm, I'm not going to give her last name. I'm just her first name, or Leanne. From Henderson, Nevada. Now, I've had these in my office for a number of months. What I'm about to show you, and you know what, folks? Um, You've told the story on air before. Yeah, I have, and I've said thank you. But I've never, we've never had the, the, this platform really, or we, we've had this platform for a while, I guess, the video platform. But, but with respect to now this camera that we've got and the um, ability to, to share things, I want to show you guys something. These are letters. Leanne B. from Henderson, Nevada. I want to say thank you so much. You know how, whoops, you know how my uh, go-to word is wow, right? Oh, Mm -hmm. wow. Well, Leanne sent us. Well, here's whoa. (laughs) I don't have have a third hand. Or ow. I guess everything is reversed on there. I don't know. You need help? Yeah, I mean, hold it yeah grab the grab the other W. Careful of my coffee now. All right, so we can put it up here. Okay, can you see that? They look like three letters, right? Three wooden letters. And then go ahead and do this. When you see, yeah, I, when, when you I got them, I thought, them. wait a second, why did somebody send me mom? Okay, <laughs> seriously, that that's where my head was at when I got this. And then I, of course, read the card. Yeah, All right. So, now, wow. if you want to zoom in on, for example, let's take one of these letters here. Just go ahead and zoom in on this one. I'm going to try to get my ugly mug out of the way here. Yeah, there's a lot of writing on them. Um, you know, the words time. from love, the body of Christ. I mean, bless the Lord, oh my soul, forgiveness. I mean. <laughs> oh, man, I'm sorry you know, about that. Look away. Got, I'm like, hideous. I'm hideous. Look away. That's the, the camera that you got going on you is like a. High tech, expensive camera. I got a. You, you got the seventy nine dollar forty nine dollar garage sale webcam. Looking at me. Oh, believe me. Um, at this and point, yeah. Look away. I don't have makeup look, artists. Look away. You know? Look away. I'm hideous. <laughs> but 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 you know, I just uh, the reason I wanted I wanted to send this is our listeners. Um, and Leanne, uh, God bless you. Our listeners are the best in the world, and I, I guess I, I probably should have pointed out. And you you don't don't have to zoom in on this, but. Um, these are all hand-drawn, hand-written mm-hmm. words. Um, words of inspiration. Words of all biblical. Guests, our names. Yeah. Um, I mean, everything Country. topical to this to this uh, broadcast. Tom Horn, Steve Quayle, Canada Free Press, Genesis Six. Watchmen. Oh, that's a well. If you do this, that's a nine nine nine. Well, no, okay. the letters or the no. numbers are actually in here. Yeah, I know. But, I mean, it's a 999. Never mind. Um, Benghazi and and all the topical things. This took a a ton of time. I mean, a lot of time. And I I just, you know, we are so humbled by by that, by you, by by you, the listeners. Um, Thank you. And to Leanne, who did that, who spent a lot of time doing that, thank you. And we and, and I'll be showing you some other things too. Just a, a just a wonderful painting from Nancy Stone. 
There's a lot of nasty stones in the country of uh, our iconic dog king. An oil painting, which I have actually hanging in my home. In the home next to, uh, we have king and then lady. Right, but King is the our, our, the dog who passed away, and it's a beautiful painting. I it, mean, it's a, it looks like an actual picture of him. Yeah, and and she captured the essence of, of his spirit, and uh, uh, you know, we my wife and I both cried when we got it. Actually, when we got this, uh, and my wife, when my wife looked at these letters, she was she cried and she said, "My goodness, you know." The amount of time, and, and, uh, and I'm uh, please understand. I'm not doing this. I'm not showing this for any other reason except to acknowledge the fact that we have the best uh, the best listeners in the world. And having listened to so many radio shows from Herman Cain to Glenn Beck to Tucker Carlson to Rush Limbaugh to Sean Hannity to Aral, I mean, you know, you've, in this business, you've got to listen to everybody essentially just to hear what they're saying and keep up. Um, yeah. I would put the intellect, the loyalty, and the love of our listeners before, above, I should say, all those other shows. And there's a connection that we've made, I think, from Orlando to Dallas to... Bozeman. Bozeman. North Carolina. Yeah. That you won't find anywhere else. You know... You're not going to find in, in the in, in the big money makers of Hannity or Limbaugh, and that's not the, that's I'm not trying to you know I mean, hey, they make the money and that's great, but we have something even better. We've got such a great audience, a family, yeah, and and you know something, when one of you hurts, it kind of like we all hurt, you know, and and that, that's why I get so upset when people. When people t- attempt to tear things down, and there are so many people out there trying to tear tear us down and tear others down, tear you know, Steve Quayle and Alex Jones down. And- the infighting inside the alternative media is still increasing, even today. Yeah, I saw on Alex Jones' page, <clears throat> Glenn Beck calling Drudge, yeah, evil. He did that. I heard. I was listening to him in real time today on Glenn Beck. Uh, Glenn Beck. This was. Uh, I, I didn't even really read the article because I. I mean, yeah, you know, it was, it's it, was not a, it wasn't even funny. I, I gotta tell you, you know what, Joe? It wasn't even funny. When, when does I mean, the point, because when people disagree with you and have, you know, a different belief system or different way of thinking or doing things come to the point of, I mean, people report yeah. on, on news on, on, if you're a public figure like Glumbeck or Alex Jones, right. people report on things you say that are controversial. Yes, yes. Now, when those things get reported on and questions arise, because there have been some things like um, that Glenn Beck has said recently about Trump, and then what we talked about with Brad Thor and, and, and Beck, um, obviously with the Brad Thor and Beck, nothing was overtly said, but there were things that could be implied. You know, But for running that story, right. this is where the backlash from Beck Drudge came from. Well, yeah, you know it's. And I'm tired. Steve's tired. We're all tired. I'm ready to go. I, I, I got a few years on you guys too, but what? 
I said, yeah. I'm ready to go. I'm not tired. No, I, I know. But yeah. I get tired, though. You know something? I, th- I think I think we're all tired, every one of us, and, and the listeners. And If you're listening to this in a squad car, and we, we've got we've got many many police officers, uh, police officers, yeah. officers who listen to our program. Physically tired, mentally yeah. tired, yeah. emotionally tired, spiritually tired. There's there's just so much going on, so much going on in this in this world today, and it's, you know, it's so many stressors. It's not an accident, I don't believe. Not at all. Um, no. And this is why we need to endure. We don't need to to win every battle we fight, but we do need to show up, and we do need to be the example that that Christ said we need to be. We need to occupy, and we need to endure, and we have to be strong and have people who are strong around us in order to do that because we all have moments of weakness of tiredness of uh, well how you're talking about how yeah. people feel and, and that's uh, Steve Quayle today said you know Doug I'm tired I don't want to do this anymore and I said Steve I'm right there with you brother I mean you you've got so much more time and you've been hit so many so much harder and than I ever thought of being hit, you know, and and of course you know. And there's, what what do you say to a, what do you say to a guy, to your brother, and and I, and I want to tell you something else too. Anyone who anyone who believes there's any, I mean, Steve Quayle is like my brother, and uh, I just want people to know that he is like my brother, and any assault on Steve Quayle is an assault on me, and. Uh, you know, I don't know. Thing, I, I just I want to make sure people understood that. And same with Pastor Langford. Something to look forward to with what Steve Quayle's doing, uh, and and I'm not sure if he he talked about this a little bit uh, when Tom Horn was on with him about putting his old show, The Q Files. They were talking about the Q Files. Well, one of the ideas he had is to get the audios from the old Q Files and start re-releasing those. Yes, and, and you know, sadly. Uh, Steve, and I say sadly because I remember Steve uh, saying, "Hey, you want to fill in for me a couple, you know, a night here, once a week, basically." I did the Q files for a while, and you know, I did such a horrible job. I mean, I really did a horrible job. I never heard those. Oh yeah, yeah. This is I really did a horrible job, and he entrusted me with that, and and he. and, and I said, Steve, I can't do this, man. I, I don't know how you do it. Was that I can't before do it. any radio experience? Yes. Or yes. during the beginning? Because you did, before we we had this platform, uh, Lori Roth show, yeah. local Buffalo yeah. and Tom Bowerly. Yeah. It was, it was right around the beginning of the same time. But it was different because it was so, um, I wasn't hitting the right notes. And you know what? I was, I was so, I, I wasn't really totally awake. So I didn't really... I didn't do him any good services, and I look back on that and I think, how how did he even put up with me? But anyway, um, but now and and we we talked about that too. You know, different people waking up at different times, Joe, mm-hmm. and we have to understand that the people we might have breakfast with or or work with or maybe live next door to, or perhaps are related to, we all have different levels, different times when we wake up. And the, the patience is so important because Steve was always patient with me. And, and, you know, even as hard hit as I was, and still am sometimes. And his mind moves, and that's I mean, awesome his, his mind moves so quick, man. 
you know. That's not one of his strong suits, and I'm not putting him down in any way. Oh, no. No, it's true. I mean, since I've known him. At least uh, when we're doing the day-to-day stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Meeting him in person is a different story. You, you mean Steve? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Then he's fun. Then his sense of humor comes out. But well, well, no. But 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 see, I mean, Steve is he? Uh, you cannot believe how his. I mean, how quick his mind works. So, anyway, God love him. And, and you know what? Um, y- y'all feel free to just because uh, you know that, that we all are in different positions of. Or whatever. Do me a favor, folks. Just send Steve some good email. Okay? Yeah, don't tell him I said so. You know, just send him, hey, thinking about you, just thinking about your brother. Love you. Hang in there. You know? Especially if he's in any way. Yeah, yeah. Because we all need that little boost from time to time. Now, speaking of boost, there's something going on here. Did you know, folks, that Greg Jackson's book, 40 Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die? Broke the uh, broke the into the bestsellers category uh, on Amazon yesterday. That's awesome. Yeah, and um, it, it's, it's so fabulous. Now I know my book, Stained by Blood, was there for about oh I don't know maybe thirty seconds. <laughs> okay, hey, it was there. Um, yeah, um, and, and then of course you know it moved on. But but there's some good hang time with uh, Greg's book. So guess what? We've got we've got the man behind the bestseller in the entire world, Greg Jackson, with us. I asked him to come on at the last minute just to just to share what's on his heart tonight, and to just remind people that forty things to teach your children before you die, available on Amazon. And really, please do yourselves a favor if you don't have it, click on it, Greg, buy it. GregJackson dot com. G R E G G. Yeah. Jackson.com. But we have to keep the, we have to keep that momentum going on Amazon. Uh, 40 things that teach your children before you die. We have to keep that momentum going. Let's, let's bring it up to like number one and show the world what it's all about. Greg, how you doing, brother? Doug, always a pleasure and an honor to, uh, break bread with you gentlemen. Thank you for the kind words. Um, and, and I have to admit that, uh, I'm, I feel fatigued as well. As a matter of fact, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because before I left the house, I was dropping my mother off at an appointment, and she was telling me how she took French. We were talking about my son, what elective he was going to take next year, what uh, language, and and my mom said how she spoke French. And I said, the only thing I know in French is, je suis très fatigué maintenant, which is I'm very, very tired right now. And I felt tired. And then you talked about how you were tired and, and fatigued and I think that uh, you know the Hagman and Hagman family that are listening right now I think they can probably relate to what you're saying Doug and Joe because you know we're being bombarded at every level with the darkness the impending gloom and the darkness and and it is tiring and because we know the, the prophet Jeremiah says in Jeremiah chapter 8 he says harvest is past and summer is ended and we are not saved for the brokenness of the daughter of my people I am broken I mourn dismay has taken hold of me is there no balm in Gilead is there no physician there why then has not the health of the daughter of my people been restored and I think like the prophet Jeremiah we're asking the same question and you know Jeremiah um you think he was tired, Doug and Joe? <laughs> I mean, if, if you read, go, go read, go read the book of Jeremiah. 
He says in verse 18 of, of, of chapter 8, he says, My sorrow is beyond healing. My heart is faint within me. Behold, listen, the cry of the daughter of my people from a distant land. Is the Lord in Zion? Is her king not within her? Why have they provoked me with their graven images with foreign idols? And this is the Holy Spirit speaking through Jeremiah, who is well acquainted with trying to warn the people, trying to restore righteousness and, and justice in, in, in Israel. Mm. And so I can relate to, to you, you know, um, and he says, you know, verse, verse uh, uh, chapter 10, verse 21, he says, For the shepherds have become stupid, and they have not sought the Lord. Therefore they have not prospered, and all their flock is scattered. And I think that that's, those are the days in which we're living in right now. I mean, we, we can, you know, we to take a look at most of the churches. They're preaching another gospel about another Jesus. And there's a, there's a dearth of, of the word in the land, a paucity, a scarcity, whatever you want to call it, of the word. People are desperate for righteousness in the word of God. And so I think that that's probably why I'm fatigued, because I yearn, I thirst, I hunger for righteousness in the land, as you do, and all of your wonderful listeners and your, and, your, and, and, and your guests, your wonderful guests that you have on. And, you know, Matthew chapter 5, just flipping it to here, you know, the, the most famous sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, and, and this should be solved to the soul of your listeners tonight who might be, they might be tired, they might be fatigued. He says, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He said, blessed for you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He says, uh, blessed are those who, this is my favorite, Joe and Doug. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, I love that because that's what you're talking about. You go on the air every night, you are hungering and thirsting for righteousness, and that it would be proclaimed, that justice would be done, standing up for the orphan and the widow and the unborn and the persecuted. That's what your ministry is all about. And that's why you go, that's what drives you, Doug. And you and I have talked many times over the past half decade that I've known you. And Joe, you and I have had many great conversations as well. But I know that that is what drives you to. So my prayer not just for you, but for everybody listening, to know the Word of God is true. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. If you're hungry and thirsting for righteousness, Jesus says, for they shall be satisfied. You will be satisfied. Not right now. I'm not satisfied. Because it, it makes me sick to see the condition, the, 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 the moral, uh, morally debased culture that we live in, and the, all the perversion in our society. And for a time, for a time, truth has been turned up on its head, and bitter has become sweet, sweet bitter, 
evil has become good, good has become evil, but the prophet Isaiah says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. So I know that there is light at the end of the tunnel for your listeners and for you, and that your work is not in vain, because Paul says, do not be weary of doing good. In other words, we should be do-gooders. <laughs> People often der- derisively say, what are you, some sort of do-gooder? Yes. Well, that's what you guys are, Joe and Doug. You're do-gooders. And I appreciate you and love you for it. Well, well thank you, Greg. And I, I mean, we, we, uh, we, we, we do feel the same way about you. We could say the same thing about you. And, you know, uh, kind of a common theme here uh, is, I, and I've gotten a lot of emails, people, people are exhausted emotionally and, and drained emotionally because it's always bad news all the time. And, um, you know, we're, we're having, and, and I think we're seeing a lot of things change. Um, I, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm jumping around here, but today, Kansas, a, a half mile wide twister on the ground for what, 90, or an hour and a half, 90 minutes, I guess, uh, just causing all sorts of devastation and destruction. People's worlds changing in an instant. Um, I bring that up for two reasons, and, and I and I merge that with people being physically and emotionally exhausted. It seems like um, things are happening so fast, events are happening so fast, weather changes, the severe weather, earthquakes, volcanoes even. I mean, it, all of this is just hitting us all at the same time. Um, and, and I I prefaced, I said that to preface a question. Greg... We're at a crossroads politically here, I think. But, and as Steve says, and, and you've often said, and you know, we're not going to solve our country's ills through political solutions. That's not going to happen. But as I look out toward November, the leadership of this country, I really, I, you know, I hope, I pray that we are able to elect a leader that will at least give some thought to the spiritual trajectory of this country. Do, do you think, do you think, and I, mean, I, I don't want to put you on a spot, and you don't have to answer this, but do, but do you think, do you think uh, the, Trump could possibly do that? Do, do, do you think that we have, and you know, if you don't want to get into politics, we don't have to, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a reason I don't know. I'm, I'm looking just at the political landscape and looking at a reason to be hopeful. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't no, even know if that I deserves an answer. Well, no, it, it, it's it's. I think a question that's on a lot of people's minds, and it does deserve an answer and, and a lot of thought. Um, you know, we're so used to uh, looking to for for leadership, and rightly so, we should. And and the president of the United States. I mean, that's the. It's not. Like it's an insignificant position. It's the leader called the leader of the free world, the commander in chief, for for reason, because you know, for you know, I, I don't know if it's justified or not, but I mean, when we when we have a righteous leader in the White House and righteous governors and and civil magistrates at every branch and level of government, uh, it, it it it's it's reflected in in society. It's reflected uh, in, and, and it's just one of God's uh, laws that, um, you know, when we sow seeds of righteousness, the, the culture and the society, it prospers and it, and, and it, and it reflects the heart of, heart of the people. 
But unfortunately, what I've concluded, Doug, is that while I do believe, and I've said on your show many times, Christians should obviously be engaged in civil government. God created civil government. Therefore, Christians especially should have a keen interest in electing godly civil magistrates at every branch and level of government who will fulfill their primary obligation as a civil magistrate, which is to protect and defend inalienable rights, God-given rights. That is the primary duty of any civil magistrate, regardless of what branch or level of government uh, they're in. But, and, and while we should be involved I think that we can see, like the sons of Issachar, like Pastor Benham was talking about a few nights ago on your show, like the sons of Issachar knew the times in which they were living in. They knew the the moral debasement and the depra- depravity of, of Israel. We, too, should be able to recognize the, the signs around us and know the lateness of the hour, because it's really, really late. And I mean really, really late. And I don't know, maybe God is using Donald Trump for a reason. We've discussed this uh, the last couple times I was on your show. Um, I think that Donald Trump exposes a lot in our... He exposes the heart of the church. He exposes the hypocrisy of the Republican Party. He he exposes... Uh, you know, he, the, the, the mindset of a lot of Americans that our problems are material and not spiritual. There's a lot of things that Donald Trump serves as a holograph or a projection of in our society. That, and I think God is using that to, to reveal to, to people the, the times in which we're living in so that we would, those of us who try to be discerning, would be able to recognize those times and be able to know what to do. And I think, honestly, Doug, that while we should be, I know this is a long-winded answer, and I apologize, while we should be interested in, um, you know, who's, who's president, who our governors are, especially locally, that's where we should, I think, spend the majority of our time. The hour is so late right now that I don't believe that while Donald Trump, if he's elected president, uh, might do some good things, let's, let's, uh, Consider too that he's going to have to have a Congress who is not going to allow him to uh, totally decapitate the uh, globalist uh, uh, establishment one world order agenda. Okay, because there's many people in Congress who are bought and paid for by uh, you know globalists on both sides of the aisle, and we know that they're just two wings of the same bird. But having said that. Yes, we should be interested, we should be involved, but as I've said many times before, we need to be more involved at whatever opportunity God gives us in our families and on the local level, wherever God has us to do good, to stand up for truth and righteousness. And that's why I always talk about practically, you know, you had Chance from American Survival Wholesale who did a great job last night talking about practical solutions. Here are some things that we can do. I always like talking in theory and then a, and, and then an application. And the fact of the matter is nothing is going to change for the better in America unless the heart of the church, the body of Christ, changes in a radical way. That's where the change starts, like you said, at the grassroots level, individually, and and then it starts, I believe, in the hearts of men who are called to be priests of their home, head of the home, head of the household, 
boy, is this politically incorrect or what? The head of their wives, which Jesus said, I, you know, uh, uh, Paul said that Jesus is the head of the church, and uh, uh, a man is called to be the head of his, his uh, husband is called to be head of his wife. He's called to leave his mother and father, cleave to his wife. The two shall become one, the scriptures say. And that's God's natural order. So when when we kick Jesus out of our society, which we've practically done over the past couple of generations, Jesus said, I'm the truth, the way, and the life. He is the incarnate word. And when we when we kick Jesus out of our society and tell him he's not welcome, then we kick logic, because he's the logos, the logic. He who holds all things together. He's the Alpha, the Omega. He created every, the, all of creation was created by Jesus. Right, who eternally existed from the Father, with the Father before, in eternity past, and so when we kick the logos out, we we don't we don't have any more logic. We can't discern rightly, and that's why everything is turned has been turned on its head. That's why we you know we're allowing boys to shower with girls in our public schools. I mean, this is insanity. This is why people have bumper stickers and, 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 and placards in the windows is saying they're ready for Hillary. I mean, Hillary Clinton d- d- belongs in a straitjacket. She's insane. She's a, a maniacal witch. And we have uh, uh, kids who have been indoctrinated in their Marxist madrasas for the past, you know, 20 years who are proud Bernie Sanders supporters. I mean, Bernie Sanders is a, he's a Marxist communist who spent his honeymoon in the Soviet Union. So when you yeah. take the logos, the logic out of a society, you have what we have. And there is no simple solution that Donald Trump, I mean, he can build the wall as high as you want. And if there's a lot of moral reasons to to oppose this, and some of the global treaties that Paul McGuire has gone in, in, in depth, and, and rightly so, uh, some good reasons to vote for Donald Trump. And I might even pull the lever for Donald Trump. I, you know, at, I, at this point, I don't know, but it's not the most important thing in my life, Doug. The most important thing in my life is saying, Lord Jesus, where do you want this, uh, you know, redeemed, born again, child of God to be, to carry out, to be your hands and your feet? Because I know the lateness of the hour and I want to be about my father's business. So it, practically, that's where that's the solution I believe for everybody who's listening and they think what you know and I, I frankly I don't think Doug if I'm going to be honest with you there's a very good chance probably 60 40 70 30 that we're not going to have an election in November that's what I believe in my heart you know so stop right there Greg for a second because Go ahead. folks now, now you heard what Greg just said now you might say well Greg just wrote a book 40 things and you know who's Greg Jackson to, to say something like that let me just unfortunately we don't a lot of times we don't give the full background of some of our guests Greg Jackson national best-selling author in fact, conservative comebacks to liberal lies, okay, where he takes uh, issue by issue. Um, it's just a fantastic book. We won't get fooled again where the Christian right went wrong. But but here's the other thing that maybe you guys don't know, the listeners don't know about Greg Jackson. He was a former radio host, WRKO in Boston, and WRKDAR in Los Angeles. He's a speaker. He, in fact, he emceed the presidential candidates session at CPAC in 07 and 08. He gave the keynote address at the Missouri College Republican Convention back in 2007. 
heavy into the political, mainstream political arena. He, he's got the battle scars to prove it. He's got the bona fides behind him to talk about these issues. He is not some, uh, you know, uh, uh, noob out there. So I, 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 not that you need our endorsement or credit, or you know, bolster your credibility. But I just want to remind people of who you are, your accomplishments, what what you've done. Because man, that's a heavy statement Look. to make. Wow. Doug, no, okay. I, I I appreciate it, and I don't even know that I'm justified. I'm just sharing my heart, uh, you know. And and at at the end of the day, Doug, and I know that we're nearing the top of the hour, but at the end of the day, all of those accomplishments are meaningless unless uh, anything has been in the Lord Jesus uh, and, uh, you know, from him, of him, then it's all meaningless. It's all going to get burned up, John fifteen five. And what I've realized, Doug, is that, you know, the Benham brothers just wrote a fantastic book, you know, Flip Benham's Sons. I just finished reading it, Die to Your Dreams, I think it's called. Or, right. And it's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal book. I think you and I have even talked about it. And it yes. really made me think, it really made me think, like, that's where the true freedom is. And anybody who knows their story, they were fired from HGTV for essentially sharing their biblical, you know, beliefs. And that's where we are. I mean, Christianity has already been criminalized, as you and Joe have been discussing. I mean, it's 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 not like it's a, it's a some future event that's going to take place. I mean, it's you've had Kurt Schilling on your show. You've had the Benham, you know, Flip Benham and and, and the Benham brothers, and you know what they've been through. And um, I mean, this is something that is on the increase, but it's already here. And my point is that, you know, they were fired. And at the end of the book, not to give it away, buy the book, by the way. It's, it's, it's a fantastic. There are so many great nuggets in that book called Die to Your Dreams by the, the Flip, uh, excuse me, Jason and David Benham, Flip Benham's wonderful sons. They said it was the most freeing uh, time in their life, Joe and Doug, when they were, you know, because that was their, you know, they wanted to do the reality thing and they thought it would be a great platform for the ministry for all the right reasons but they essentially were told what I was told when I was on Salem Radio which is that you can't talk about Mormonism, you can't question Mitt Romney and I said well then I'm not going to be on Salem Radio anymore and that's basically <laughs> why I was kicked off and you and I have talked about it and I've shared sure. it on your show before uh, but but my, here's my point, my point is that if there's anything that is good about Greg Jackson, it, 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 it comes from the righteousness of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if there's one thing that, that I know is that that simple act of o o obedience is all that the Lord is looking for. When we do that, then we're really living. We're living the abundant life that we are called to. Um, I was sharing with John Robertson earlier. We talked earlier today. I'm doing a study in the book of Esther. The bottom line is that Esther was obedient with one single act. And and she stood up for the Jews who were being persecuted. Everybody knows the story. Haman, uh, you know, convinced the, the king to issue an edict to basically kill all the Jews. And Esther, you know, God worked behind the scenes. Why? Because Esther was obedient to the Lord. And God sovereignly worked through her to protect and, and all the Jews scattered throughout the lands. I mean, it's true. It's an amazing book in the Bible. And what it, you know, I had like a, the Holy Spirit basically spoke to my heart this morning and said, Greg, that's all God is looking for from any of us is just to be obedient in the little things. And when we know our identities in Jesus Christ, then we, as Paul McGuire said, we, we have the dudamous power 
inside us and it doesn't come from us when we die to our dreams and die to ourselves, that's when god can work powerfully through us and and put the puzzles of the scattered pieces of the puzzle of our lives back together when we allow him to do the work and i just want to end with this the word of god says in christ jesus and i want this i pray that this would minister to your listeners hearts because it's all about the identity of who we are in Christ. And by the way, if you are not a born-again, Bible-believing Christian, it's no coincidence that you're listening to me tonight. Don't wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow is not promised. Repent of your sins. Trust on the name of the Lord Jesus even right now and be saved. And know with 100% certainty that if you die tonight in your sleep, you will spend eternity like the thief on the cross. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Not in purgatory, because that doesn't exist. It's in the Bible. Uh, we, we go either to one of two places, to burn eternally in hell, which I pray that nobody would ever go to, apart from God, or to a place co- called heaven, where we live eternally with God the Father, with God the Son, and the Holy Spirit forever. And this is what the Word of God says. I'm just going to f- share a few scriptures. I am God's child. John 1, verse 12. I have been justified... Romans 5, verse 1, I am Christ's friend. Do you know that if you're a Christian, he calls you his friend? John 15, 15. I belong to God, 1 Corinthians 6, 20. I am a member of Christ's body, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 21 and 22. God will perfect the work he has begun in me. So if you're tired, no. He, he who began a good work in you will see it through to completion. Philippians 1.6. I am a citizen of heaven. Do you know that? If you are a Christian, you're actually a citizen of heaven. Philippians 3.20. I am hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 3.3. 3. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a, of, of a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7. I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. 1 John 5.18. I am blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Not some, every. Ephesians 1.3. I am chosen before the creation of the world. Ephesians 1.4 and, and 11. I am holy and blameless. Ephesians 1 verse 4. I am adopted as his child. Ephesians 1 through 5. You don't have a dad. Your dad left you. He was bad to you. You have a heavenly father who will never leave you nor forsake you. I am God's, I am given God's glorious grace lavishly and without restriction. How cool is that? Ephesians 1 5. I have redemption. Ephesians 1 8. And finally, I am forgiven. Ephesians 1 8. You're forgiven. Now forgive yourself. Amen, Greg. Amen. We are at the break. God bless you. Thank you so Love much you for your guys. time. Love you, Love too. you too, buddy. Look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep it secret 
secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back, folks, to this segment of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Doug Hagman reporting for duty, of course, with Joe Hagman. Uh, me at the helm, Joe as co-pilot. Well, actually, we're both flying this this ship here. Compliments of the Global Star Radio Network, Blog Talk Radio, and, of course, YouTube. You can watch us on YouTube. It's, uh, uh, hey, go ahead and spray paint the... Uh, you know, get the blue dots for 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 me, right? For us, anyway. Uh, you know, I I, I had mentioned earlier that I was talking to Steve Quayle today. Uh, there's some things that, um, well, on the third, June third, that's uh, Friday. Steve Quayle is going to be on with Tom and Nita Horn. Okay. Um, that's going to be a very special segment. You're gonna you're gonna hear, folks, information from Tom and Nita Horn. Nita is Tom's wife that you've not heard before. A look into Tom Horn. There's a reason for this. God's really working uh, through Tom and Nita. And uh, there's some things that you may not know about Tom Horn that he's going to disclose right here on our show. He's a heck of a guy, Tom. Tom Horn is. And He's got he's got a lot to say. His wife, what a wonderful lady, and great people. Super intellectual, Tom, really, um, and Anita as well, and, and spiritual as well. But they're doing so so many great things. Don't forget now, we will be putting something up here when when Steve and Tom were on. What was it Monday? I think Joe. Yeah, it was Monday. Uh, the new book from Tom is coming out. Tom Horn, Chris Putnam. That's going to be on the thirty-first. Now I've already, I've gotten so many emails. Oh, how do I get this? How do I get this? How do I get this book? Just watch HagmanReport.com. And um, because for Hagman listeners, remember there's something that you have to you have to put in there. I, I heard this on the Hagman Report. Okay, in the in the comments section when you order this, but we'll give you all of the details on the thirty first when it's going to when it's going to come out. We can't give you it before because the links aren't active, and so just hold on till the thirty first. I can't wait because <laughs> I'm going to. I I just can't wait. The dots that are connected, and I was I was doing a lot of research, Joe, on on what he had said, Tom, and and. Uh, 
uh, you know, about the uh, the Sybil prophecies. And, and mm-hmm. please, I'm, I'm not... Um, it's interesting how all of these esoteric dots are beginning to connect here. Speaking of connecting dots, you know, there is one way that I'm able to connect dots in a much easier fashion. That's when my mind is not racing and going in a thousand different directions. And how do I accomplish that? Through Whole Tones Live. I have an email here. WholeTonesLive.com. I really, visit WholeTonesLive.com. I've got an email from Linda R., this is an actual email right here. <laughs> she writes this. Love whole tones. I listen to them during the day to relax and always before I go to bed. I've referred whole tones to my friends, family, and, and even my acupuncturist. They love them too. The book is super it gives a good explanation about all seven tones and how they individually benefit you. Even weight loss, worry. All around it makes you feel really good. God bless you both. And this is Linda R. from Wisconsin. It's a true email. And if it wasn't a true email, would I be able to do this? <laughs> and I'm serious. Uh, thank you, Linda R., for... Uh, for that email. But but folks, visit wholetoneslive.com. Uh you will find that uh even though I say I'm tired, I do find refreshment. I find personally, I find a lot of uh therapy through Whole Tones Live. And as you know, ladies and gentlemen, I would not promote anything that I don't use myself, or we don't use here at the studio or office my, ourselves. So if you are sick of being overwhelmed and unmotivated, and if you feel like you're being run over by life, well, you're not alone. Whole Tones has a, 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 just a, a great collection of proves, proven music therapy and reducing stress, easing your mind, motivates you wherever you're at. Folks, you can get started today. Listen to a free sample. As I told you earlier, it's an amazing series of music. Here it heals and inspires. Wholetoneslive.com. Now, it's with a W. W-H-O-L-E tonesLive.com. Wholetoneslive.com. And I read you the, the email from Linda R. from Wisconsin. And others have emailed. In fact, if you've got, if, if you've got your own experience with Whole Tone, send it in. Because uh, we do, we do have dialogue with uh, Michael Terrell. Has been on our show. He's explained how this music was inspired by the music frequencies of King David, and the conversations about that alone. Oh my goodness, it's a very interesting and very enlightening uh, conversation topic. Folks, go to the website, download a free sample at WholeTonesLive.com. Support this broadcast and go to WholeTonesLive.com. That's W-H-O-L-E TonesLive.com. Before I turn it over to Joe, I, I mentioned earlier about the superbug. Antibiotic know. resistance. Yes, superbug. Yes. And, and you know, it, it, when we look at things like this, and Joe, you and I have been out to Long Island too, at the very end and seen the 
Oh, that the island of Manta. <laughs> yeah, seen things there. I mean, you, you have to wonder, I suppose. And this is a Pennsylvania uh, resident, yeah. from what I understand. Yeah, there's an anti. I guess what I'm talking about. Let me back up here. There's an antibiotic resistance. resistance I got no business being a talk show host, none whatsoever. The antibiotic resistant strain was found last month in the urine of a 49-year-old Pennsylvania woman. The Defense Department's involved in this. The researchers within the Defense Department took a look at this 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 superbug and determined that she was that she carried a strain of E. coli resistant to the normal traditional antibiotic that they use. Now, this this report was just published today in Antimicrobial Agents and Chemotherapy. Boy, you think you you think? Imagine that. <laughs> what magazines do you get? Well, I get it. My monthly copy of Antimicrobial Agents and Chemotherapy. <laughs> But seriously, there, there's a there's a publication. It's a publication of the American Society for Microbiology. The authors in this case wrote that the discovery heralds the emergence of a truly pan-drug resistant bacteria. Now, this is something we really need to need to uh, keep our eyes on. You know, we make fun, Joe. We not make fun. We we the people talk about the zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And if you look at what we've seen or been conditioned to um, take a look at or, or focus upon over the last decade or so, have you noticed things like this where the superbugs will, if not debilitate and change, zombify perhaps a population? This kind of bacteria will kill many. And we know that eugenicists have been working very hard to develop things like this. Is this man-made? Is this, you know, artificially made? Or is this just, you know, I don't know. But, but health officials here in our state say, hey, don't panic. This is not, not no cause for panic. It's a, the strain found in this woman is treatable with other antibiotics. But see, the worry here by researchers is that the antibiotic-resistant gene found in the bacteria, and, and this is known as MCR1, could spread to other types of bacteria that can already evade other types of antibiotics. So think of it this way. You've got, you've got bacteria. Now, the rule of thumb is if you have a bacterial infection, you treat it with antibiotics. If you have a viral infection, you don't. This is not a viral infection. This is a a bacterial infection. Bacterial infections require the use of antibiotics. So, or I should say, antibiotics are for bacterial infections. That's what they're made for. But this this marks the first time that this specific antibiotic resistant strain has been found on a person here in the United States. Back last year, the end of last year, there were Chinese and British researchers who reported finding this particular strain in pigs. 
raw pork meat and in a small number of people in China. All right. Interesting connection. When you listen to Dr. Ted Brower, who will be our guest tomorrow night, he doesn't eat pork. Not because it's, you know, an, uh, it's, it's a Levitical law necessarily, but it, he just doesn't eat pork. And, and, and even today, you know, as much as I'd love a great pork chop, knowing what I know about pork, man, I'll tell you something. And Eric the Tech, who's got a birthday coming up on June 3rd, but don't tell anyone. Really? Yeah. He's going to be, uh, how old are you going to be, Eric? 18. 31. 31. You're a, you're a young, youngin'. 31. Now, um, Eric, Eric the Tech said that on Memorial Day, what we ought to do, because we're going to be broadcasting on Memorial Day, what we ought to do is talk about all the junk that's in uh, barbecue, you know, food, food that yeah. you know, like hot dogs and things <laughs> yeah. like that. Right? We'll be the hit of the parties all over the place. But um, anyway, it's it's interesting because now we're seeing this, the emergence, and Steve Quayle has written about this as well. Um, these uh, all this gunk, the the poisoning of of our foods and and um, you know, uh, Ted this. talked about the. Uh, Bayer trying to buy Monsanto for forty billion. Yeah, Bayer, just to make sure. I thought you said Bayer, but B A Y E R Bayer. And then yes. there was another uh, bid for sixty-two billion. Yes, that was neglect. Uh, that was turned down yep. by Monsanto. Yep. And I, I remember asking Ted if he thought that the forty billion was a low, low estimate, and he said no. And I agree with. I mean, I do agree with him. Still agree with him. So, I don't know what the purpose behind the attempted buyout is. Don't you think, Joe? And and I'm throwing this out there to to, to the listeners as well. Something like this, it the, the there's this dramatic move for consolidation because it, um, if you have the less companies you have operating at that level, the more control they can exert over the marketplace as well as cures and remedies or whatever you want to call that but i think it's it's uh it's more than business i think it's an agenda i don't know thoughts mm-hmm. no yeah. i agree it's definitely more than business okay there's a reason uh an offer of 40 billion dollars was turned down then to raise that offer by 22 billion dollars in a in, in less than a week which was again turned down Somebody wants control of Monsanto for reasons that are not apparent to the public or will not be told to the public. Right. And to see one of the main point. funders of the Nazi war machine trying to purchase Monsanto should be worrisome. Very good. Dispensing with a couple of, of minor issues, and Joe's got some very, very interesting things to get into. Um, I just want to dispense with a few minor headline things quickly. Judge orders video of Hillary Clinton aides email testimony sealed. Okay, Washington Times is reporting that a federal judge today ordered the videotape of 
Clinton's former chief of staff, Cheryl Mills, giving a deposition to be sealed so it can't be used in political attacks against the former Secretary of State and, of course, the likely, well, the presumptive uh, nominee for the Democratic ticket. Emmett G. Sullivan, judge, said the transcript will be made public, but the video will not be. So the public will know what Mills says, but he said it was unnecessary to have the video released. Just want to let you know that, okay? Because, you know, we have gone, in the capacity of our, uh, in our capacity as investigators, I mean, I've attended so many depositions, and I've been deposed numerous times. And and I I must tell you that when you when you're sitting in, in the, when you're in a deposition, I'm sure many of our listeners have been in depositions. And if you haven't, it's an experience. I was in a de- deposition. In fact, one deposition I gave lasted ten hours. Okay, I think that was the longest deposition I gave was ten hours. It was a long. It was. <laughs> it was grueling. But it's interesting, and that was before they would traditionally videotape them. Or if they did, you know, they had the big VHS cameras, you know, on a tripod. But it's useful to look at the depositions. When you when you look at the video of a deposition, you can see body language. You can see a lot of things. Transcripts, they're fine, but they don't necessarily portray the truth as well as a video. It's interesting. I find that I find that decision very interesting. Um, and, and you might think, well, it, it doesn't matter as long as we get the transcripts, but I think the video would be a lot better. Uh, other things, just very quickly. Um, there, there's, again, I mentioned about the weather across the United States, the tornadoes. You know, we, I think, I think we have to look at, at the weather events. Notice that the storms are becoming more severe. You know, it, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, the tornadoes. We've seen a, a reprieve from hurricanes and tornadoes the last few years. Mm-hmm. I think it's been uh, was it 140 months since a hurricane has hit mainland USA. Some it was some kind of record uh, since they've been tracking uh, hurricanes. Right. But we've seen you know from you know 2000 to through 2007 years of of horrible hurricanes, you know, Category 5 after Category right. 5 hitting different parts of the U.S. to Hurricane Sandy to the twin tornadoes that took out Joplin, Missouri, two years in a row. Um, so I think we are going to see a very volatile year with weather as far as tornadoes and hurricanes this year. If not this year, I mean... You don't see a gap of hurricanes like we have recently. Like I said, it was, I don't know, I think it was 140 months right? without seeing the other side of that. And, and I think we have to understand a lot of this is whether modification related, whether intended or unintended. Um, yeah, I, I think that this is, this is a big part of it. But I also think, too, um, and, and folks, hey, and I know I'm, I'm going to get uh, people who disagree with me, but I, I do believe the, the weather events, especially the hurricanes that hit the United States, uh, are our judgment for our actions, whether it be at the highest of political levels, decisions, you know. And I always use the Gush Katif, uh, uh, Israeli um, 
under George Bush, you know, what we did to Israel in Hurricane Katrina. I always use that as an example, but there are plenty more examples out there. Moving on, I want to bring this up, and then I'm going to turn this to Joe, because he's got some amazing findings here. But I'm not sure how many people have heard this. Louisiana Democrat State Representative attacks the Declaration of Dependence on the House floor. Now, Declaration of Dependence? Independence. Okay. Did I say dependence? He said dependence. Okay. Wow. Wow. Just, just wow. Hey, wait a minute. It's my go, <laughs> go-to word here. Say, W. Oh, and I just want to say thank you again, Leanne. And I know the thank you publicly is long overdue, although I did say before the video, I did thank, thank you so much. Anyway, HB, House Bill 1035, which is a bill by Representative Valerie Hodges that would have mandated that school children in Louisiana be taught the Declaration of Independence. Notice I said independence. Sailed through the House Education Committee with a 6-2 vote. So she... Hang on. There's a bill introduced that would make school children... Read, yeah, House Bill 1035. Okay. It, it was it was introduced by Representative Valerie Hodges. It would have mandated that school children in Louisiana be taught the Declaration of Independence, this which should be the norm for every school child. You would think, right? Uh, and regardless of what, look, regardless of what people say, well, you know, we should be, uh, we shouldn't be, uh, uh, you know, thinking about the nation. No, I think we should. I think we need to in conjunction with the spiritual aspect of things. But anyway, so this representative, Valerie Hodges, say, look, we need to, we need, let's make this a law that, that children, students, be taught the Declaration of Independence. But yesterday, when the bill reached the floor of the House, it had a much different fate, and there was a lot of squabbling. Hodges returned the uh, bill to the calendar and it's pretty much a done deal for this session you see the Louisiana House of Representatives has 61 Republican members out of 105 and you you guys can do the math but and, and yet it is apparent no consensus for a cornerstone of basic civics in the state's public schools it's not available to, to the bill's supporters. In other words, the bill did serve to provide a bit of civic education for the people of Louisiana, for the students, although perhaps not the lesson Representative Hodges was looking for. This according to an article from the Hayride, thehayride.com. Okay? What we found out according to this article from the Hayride.com, was something many of us knew, namely that Representative Barbara Norton, a Democrat from Shreveport, Louisiana, is not a fan of our founding documents. <laughs> she, she, she pitched a fit. And there's a, there is actually a video on the, uh, the website, the Hayride.com, where uh, Norton's, and, and these are their words, not the Hayride's words, Norky, uh, Norton's cranky, 
Norton's cranky questioning of Hodges about the Declaration of Independence and consider the prospects of Louisiana's legislators contributing positively to state civic progress. In other words, yeah, you just can't, you just can't make this stuff up, okay? Objecting to the fact that, hey, no, let's, let's not teach our children the founding documents. Let's not teach our children basic civics. And as many people like to say, you just can't fix stupid, really. Um, and, and you know, you can look into Louisiana, for example, their heritage. They were a French colony and under French yeah. law. And, They're very different. You know, yeah, they are. They've got parishes as opposed to counties. And, uh, again, when you look at the. I mean, the way, just yeah. the whole culture, you know, the. the yes. Uh, but we have a lot of people celebration. Of the, the funerals are, are parades and parties. The, I mean, uh, there's a lot of also, you know, black magic voodoo stuff down there. Uh, it is a different atmosphere. Uh, and I've never been there. This is just what from I've heard from other people and from. I, I actually was there accidentally one time. <laughs> Seriously, I, I got, I was accidentally in Louisiana once. I'm afraid to ask. Yeah, don't do that. It was only for about a half hour. I, it was an accident, but anyway. I just want to say this. Uh, if you look at the entirety of, of the education system here in America, since the early 20th century, our schools have been taken over by hardcore Marxists. They've been taken over by Fabian socialists. And understanding Fabian socialists, you've got to understand the, their agenda. That that uh, window, the Fabian window, do research on that. But it is their goal to erase all of the ideals, all of the teachings of our founders, all of the classic civics. They intend to collapse Western civilization and with it Christianity. Please understand, the Department of Education and our school system was created to take down Christianity and Western civilization, as absurd as that might sound, that and when you start looking at Dewey, and not Huey, Dewey, and Louie, just Dewey, Huey and Louie are innocent, I tell you. But anyway, the objective of our... No one laughed. Come on, guys. All right, but essentially, they want all Christian faith. They wanted all, upon their founding back in the early 20th century, they wanted all Christian faith to be eliminated by the, really the, the, the end of the 20th century. And, and they're it, working hard toward that exactly. end. Exactly. And, it, you know, but replace it with what? The paganism, Satanism, Luciferianism, atheism, and of course, Gaia worship. And. Well, see, replacing Christianity is not going to be the hard part because the, we're told in Scripture that Satan, with all his lying powers and wonders, and and the beast system, and yep. what the beast he gives power over to, will it says right in Revelation, who is like who is like unto the beast, who can make war with him, and yeah. that all you know will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that all will be made to take a mark. And that's kind of what we're going to get into a little bit later. You know, I've been taking a hard look at the Obama administration's Smart Cities Initiative, 
a much closer look. You know, and yeah, some go very ahead. I'm going to turn this over things. to you. But first, I want to cover this. Um, we've seen this story before. This has happened before in the same town. Mm-hmm. There have been special operations and military assaults on certain cities from Miami to Chicago to Tampa uh, to Los Angeles where uh, helicopters buzz between skyscrapers and mock uh, amphibious assault drills are done at docks. Well, here today in Tampa, a special operations troops assaulted downtown Tampa all to thunderous applause. And this is interesting because it's not just special operations. There were 12 separate countries, military special operation forces included in this drill. This from the Washington Post. On Wednesday, special ops troops from more than a dozen countries jumped out of helicopters, repelled from buildings, and expelled hundreds of rounds of ammunition as they attempted to rescue the mayor of the Florida city. The operation was, of course, an exercise, but it is also a public spectacle for a force that has tried to tried desperately to remain in the shadows, despite now being at the front forefront of America's wars. Aside from U.S. Special Operation Forces, including Navy SEALs, Marine Raiders, and Army Green Berets, countries such as Ireland, Jordan, participated in the exercise. Many- so, w- w- wait a second. So, so, okay, we have an, a live military exercise taking place where? In Tampa, right? Right, where it's a mock rescue of the mayor of the city. Okay, all right. And and with real, live, actual military helicopters. Real, live helicopters. But you said something interesting. uh, Special operation forces from 12 different countries? 12 different countries, from Ireland to Jordan. Many participants covered their faces. Only a select few were allowed to speak to the media afterward. A lot of what we do is a bit secretive. We don't really advertise much of what we do. And there is a reason for it. That from Chris Robeshaw, a Special Forces Lieutenant Colonel, he told reporters following the event, I think this may be a stark reminder that there are young men and women out there putting themselves at risk. The exercise is put on each year at the start, or as part of Special Forces Industry Conference, a strong uh, 12,000-strong three-day meeting of Special Operations personnel Showcasing the latest technolo- technologies available okay, but, to but, troops and international okay. allies. But, but, but hold on a minute here, because there's a lot of information you just you just went over. I'm still stuck on the 12 nation um, contingent of yeah. special operations. So what we have, we could have troops, and, and you know, uh, wasn't that just not too long ago that uh, Dave Hodges uh, reported on on the. Uh, Multinationals within our special operations and Steve Quayle, and oh, they were yeah. getting skewered, saying, "Oh, that's not true." Absolutely, and I, re- I mean, Dave was, and, and both Dave and Steve uh, were at the forefront of breaking the story about in 2014 allowing Russia special forces to take over um, very sensitive military installations in Colorado from the CIA headquarters right. uh, to. Another uh, military installation, I, I can't remember, but Russian, the Russian special forces were the yep. ones doing the, the training there. And, and is this under the auspices of the United Nations? I mean, are I they wearing say, yeah. blue helmets or, well, or are they wearing, uh, what, or what, what uniforms are they wearing? 
what little they say about the 12 countries in this article really does stick out because they mention that there are 12 countries besides the U.S. whose personnel are involved in this drill. And they name only two of the countries where they originate from, Ireland and Ireland Jordan. And Jordan. And then they say that many or most of the participants covered their faces. Well, and, and that's, that's common. We're right? allowed to speak to the military afterwards. But, but and, and, and I understand you, and, some and of that. In the movie Amerigeddon, right. um, I guess it wouldn't be a spoiler to, to say this now, but there's a scene in there where an American military uh, platoon or, or small combat envoy is doing martial law drills. Right not knowing there are drills initially and they run through the drills and when they are informed that there was an EMP event and that martial law had been declared the head of the unit refuses to go door to door in America taking guns from uh, American citizens yep. and they take the platoon back to the tent where it looks like Chinese soldiers in UN helmets Asian. jump out yeah. and uh, massacre the whole platoon except for the one uh, star player of the movie, or star actor of the movie, which I believe is very similar to what would happen and what will happen. Um, you know, we hear terms like invasion coming, Russian invasion, and Dmitry Dunaman's visions and. Uh, David Wilkerson talking about it, Steve Quayle talking about it, and that's very true. But what if it's not so much an invasion as more of an invitation from our government to do the hard work? Exactly. So the the government can have the deniability saying, you know, it wasn't our troops. It could be packaged as, uh, and the media could portray it to be an invasion, yet we, for all we know, they could have been invited in, given all the logistics and schematics, and told the missions and and carry them out under the authority of right, our government, right. while being uh, reported as something se- separate. You know, the, the one of the big things here is the reaction by the people. By and and please understand this. I, I don't. When my question, my larger question too. I've got two, two notes about this. Actually, the the reaction of the spectators of the people. The headline in the in the Wapo, the Washington Post, said special operations troops assaulted downtown Tampa. Tampa, all to thunderous applause. At, what level of stupidity and lack of knowledge of our Constitution is needed here, or exists here? I, I, I'm serious when I ask this. When has it ever been okay in the Constitution for live military drills or military drills to take place on our soil in our streets, not only by our own military but by foreign military by, by operatives as right. well. And one of the first comments in the article, I guess it's the newest or one of the first, says, um, uh, "Let's see. Oh, you we were, have uh, been uh, training with foreign troops on U.S. soil for a long, long time. Funny how some get so freaked out by this article." <laughs> Yeah, but, but it's not, see, okay, 
it's and people may say, well, this is not news. Well, oh, I, I, I disagree with you. Please look at the acceleration. When I was talking with Pastor Langford this it's morning. It's not news. How many drills like this have we seen go live right in the right. middle? More often than not, they do. Not, I mean, I understand this particular drill with the Tampa mayor being, um, you know, allegedly kidnapped, having to be rescued, has taken place, I know, for at least the last three years we've covered it. Yeah. But, but we've seen similar unannounced uh, to training-type mission, missions in Chicago, but, in Los Angeles. They're getting more frequent. And yeah. Pastor Langford told me today, when he after his fast, and uh, he received one word, and that word was acceleration. And are we not seeing an acceleration of the, the military-industrial complex, the backbone of, uh, well, we, well, look, we need a military, but do we need a military practicing lob drills on our streets, uh, downtown Tampa, and then um, really antithetical to the Constitution and quartering of troops? Because I, I suppose you could extend this into the spirit of, of, of our Constitution where it's not, not constitutional to really quarter our troops or... And, and uh, troops from twelve other countries, we are doing this. So, do you think so? A Jordanian tr- uh, special forces op guy, or one from Ireland or, or whatever other country, do you think that they have the same heart for Americans as an American special forces op person, special ops guy? Probably not. Could they shoot? Sure. So, but the thunderous applause, come on, people. Look what's happening. Because that, that applause, that applause is going to turn to tears. I think when they realize what's really taking place, the end game to this. I don't know, Joe. But that, that, that's really an important, to me, that's an important, this is, the acceleration of this is really important. And, and this fits right in with your other findings as you've done a lot of heavy research with, with the Department of Defense and, and what's coming down here. And it's all kind of coalescing at this, at this time. Yeah. And I'll start with an article from today. Um, artificial intelligence isn't just about intelligence. Hmm. Um, but manipulating humanity. There it Imagine is. a flying saucer lands in Times Square and aliens step out carrying the game of Go. He walks up to the nearest person and says the classic line, take me to your best player. Now let's assume that the aliens spent years studying how humans play, watching replays of every major match. Okay, if this was a situation, it would seem humanity is being set up for an unfair challenge. After all, the alien had the opportunity to thoroughly prepare for playing humans while the human had no opportunity to prepare for playing the aliens, the human would likely lose. Well, they compare that to what artificial or alien intelligence is doing. Um, as a alpha go played the human go master, Lee Sedol, the human lost four out of five games. And then they go on to say, if we look at the big picture, it wasn't a fair match. Still, the media went wild deeming... of the victory, a historic milestone in artificial intelligence research, an unexpected leap that took the scientific community by surprise. 
Okay, now it goes on to say this um, about artificial intelligence. Um, the system, it talks about how much more advanced artificial intelligence is than human brains due to the uh, level of information it can hold. Right. It's like uh, we talk about, we hear about, you know, Oprah say things like the Christ consciousness. There you go. Yep. We hear, you know, the um, the artificial brain, uh, you know, IBM's Watson. And we see that there is a type of artificial intelligence that is, um, it's just like the Internet. But imagine it being in inside of a robotic person, a robot, if you, I was going to say robotic person. Robot. Those are coming. Those are coming. <laughs> robotic persons right. are coming. Yes. Well, it's all pushed towards this transhumanism uh, agenda. What they want to do, and they being the people in control, is to take the political and economic power and consolidate it under this new technology Okay. for a political... And spiritual agenda. All right, so so let's stop right there, and 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 I want to make sure I understand what you're words. saying. Okay, so what what are you saying precisely? The artificial intelligence is a very is a term that has a broad meaning. All right, uh, it it's anything from smart meters to smart cities. Now we know recently the uh, White House administration released the new Smart Cities Initiative along with the UN and the uh, renegade in chief said this every community is different with different needs and different approaches but communities that are making most progress on these have some things in common they don't look for a single silver bullet instead they bring together local government nonprofits and business teachers and parents about a shared goal. Today, the administration is announcing a new Smart Cities initiative that will invest $160 million in federal research, leveraging more than 25 new technology collaborators to help local communities tackle key challenges. Okay, so can we... Fighting crime, fostering economic growth, managing the effects of climate change, and improving the delivery of city services to... Uh, more community-led solutions, including health care and economic Well, that's a whole lot of stuff, man. I mean, yes, it is. Are and we talking about transhumanism? Are we talking about transevolution? When you get down to it, yes, we are talking about transhumanism. Uh, the Smart Cities Network is f- uh, made up by a number of different organizations, and um, you have the... Um, I got some Smart right Cities Network is part of this. Uh, yeah. The in, Smart in Cities is made up of a number of different, uh, you know, from the World Health Organization to the Organization of American States, the United Nations. The Smart Cities Initiative has sub-initiatives underneath it, like the Smart and Connected Communities Framework. All right. The um, uh, cyber-physical systems that will be a part of this. The... Uh, this is smart and connected health agenda. And what this says here is the goal of smart and connected health program is to accelerate the development and use of innovative approaches that would support a transformation of the healthcare system and hospital centered to preventative, proactive, evidence based, person centered healthcare. Now, what is person centered healthcare? 
It's an initiative that was started in January 2015 by Obama called Precision Medicine Initiative that wanted to accelerate the use of biomedical discoveries, provide doctors with new tools, knowledge, and therapies to select which treatment would work best for future patients. PMI, or Precision Medicine Initiative, seeks to advance a public-private partnership that will engage individuals through technology, medical devices, to gather patient information and uh, patient identification and health information for the electronic health records, uh, securing the Global Health Security Initiative. Okay, you just said a whole bunch of words here. Mm-hmm. Let's make it make sense here. What are they trying to do? Because we got to, I mean, we, we have to really distill yeah. this. You can pick that one. Okay. All right. This is one aspect. Uh, you know, we were talking about the smart cities, but it bold, I mean, they have everything plan- mapped and planned out. It Basically, at the top of the pyramid, I'll say the Internet of Things. This is all falls under the category of the Internet of Things. All right. And down from smart cities, they have smart fabric. Okay, okay, smart cities. What does it take to qualify as a smart city? Okay, well, we have a fact sheet um, from the White House on what exactly a smart city is. All right. And it says, over the past six years, the administration has pursued a place-based approach to working with communities as they tackle a wide range of challenges, from filling open technology jobs to bolstering community policies. Advances in science and technology have the potential to accelerate these efforts. Emerging community of civic leaders, data scientists, technologists, and companies are joining forces to build smart cities. Communities that are based, or I'm sorry, communities that are building an infrastructure to continuously improve the collection, aggregation, and use of data to improve the life of their residents by harnessing the growing data, resolution, low-cost sensors, and research collaborations, and doing so securely to protect public and okay. safety and privacy. Let me interject here because I've got kind of a, if you do a search for a smart city, here's what, a smart city is this. It is an urban de- development vision, okay? Urban meaning in a, a, a highly populated area. So it is an urban development vision to integrate multiple information and communication technology solutions. Yeah, they okay. say they want to partner technology-based solutions right. with behavioral health research supported by multiple agencies of the federal government to the United Nations. Okay, but, but it goes. I mean, to, to be to be considered or qualified as a smart city, the city takes all of its assets. Uh, for example, local departments, information mm-hmm. systems, schools, libraries, mm-hmm. their transportation systems, the hospitals, the power grids, all of this, and they combine it all under one um, umbrella of control. They consolidate this. The law enforcement as well, water supply networks. And they do this under the auspices of improving the quality of life through technological advancements. And if, and, and they do this a lot of times under the green agenda, under the global 
green yeah. agenda. So I just want to make sure people understand what a smart city is, because these definitions and these terms, you're going to be hearing at your city council meetings, and people are going to be all for it because, oh, this sounds great, man. It's going to improve or enhance our, our quality of life. But in actuality, it is actually controlling and surveilling what you do. Absolutely. And not only that, it is uh, incentivized and in order to change your behaviors, they are going to have these new behavior modification programs that are part of the uh, healthcare system. See, this all starts under uh, a few different yes, areas is. of law. And, and what they are doing through legislation, through policy, through fiat law is establishing uh, they are subverting the republic form of our government. One, they call it a democracy. It is not a democracy, right. it's a republic, but they're subverting it. A democracy is is becoming an over overbearing, uh, very burdensome I mean, you see, what was it John Stossel did the piece on, on how many new laws are created each year? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it bogs, it's so much it just bogs down the system. And they, this is being done for a purpose because they're going to come to a point where everything is going to be made much easier through this, uh, this evolution of technology where everything is connected through sensors and everything is uh, interactive sharing data. But okay, I just now, want to interject one thing real quick here because this I think this is important for people to understand. Okay, climate change, economic, mm-hmm. uh, the okay, climate change as being. Um, it, think of this: when the smart city idea, everyone will have smart meters. Yep. Everyone will. Um, everyone will be. Uh, forced or compelled or there will be incentives for people to live in container type apartments if you Absolutely. will. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and they say as yeah. much, you know, that for global climate change, agencies should advance the goals and objectives of the 2012-2021 U.S. Global Climate is. Change Research Program Strategic Plan. This, this, is, this is Al Gore's. Right, but this is also Al Gore's uh, baby. Uh, <clears throat> although he was shot down and has been shot down and they make fun of Al Gore about the global or the global warming, at the heart of it, you know, when the fog is pushed away, Gore is still relevant in pushing the these this economic control, the centralization. Yeah, and John Holdren uh, has is an author of a paper on the multi-agency science and technology priority budget for 2017. Right. Where he says scientific discovery, technological breakthroughs, and innovation are the primary engines for expanding the frontiers of human knowledge and are vital for responding to the challenges and opportunities of the 21st century. The nation depends on science, technology, and innovation to promote economic growth, job creation, maintain safe and sufficient food supply, improving the health of Americans, moving toward clean energy future, addressing global climate change, managing... uh, Demands on environmental resources and ensuring the nation's security. He okay. goes on to say, I mean, okay. there's so, so, so stop here. right there because the intelligence that you're talking about in smart cities, there, there are three primary uh, forms of intelligence in smart cities or three 
three forms of intelligence in smart cities that have been demonstrated in three ways. How's that? Very quickly, orchestration intelligence. Where cities establish institutions and community-based problem-solving and collaborations, um, where they <laughs> you consider uh, Bletchley Park, where the Nazis' Enigma cipher was decoded by a team, um, this has been referred to like the first example of a smart city or an intelligent community. Um, if you go to Wikipedia, for example, you can get a good idea of the structure. But there's, okay, the orchestration intelligence, the, the empowerment intelligence. Cities provide open platforms, experimental facilities, and smart city infrastructure in order to avoid, uh, or in order to, cl- I'm sorry, in order to cluster innovation in certain areas, certain districts. You see this, for example, Stockholm, uh, Hong Kong, and such. And lastly, the instrumentation intelligence, which you're hitting, and this is where city infrastructure is made smart, I guess, uh, through real-time data collection. And this is where we're seeing this predictive modeling and also surveillance. Oh, yeah. That's uh, what we're talking about here. Even post-market surveillance, which is after you receive your medical device, this is uh, real-time yeah. surveillance. And uh, we're almost at the top of the hour break, but innovation in life sciences, biology, and neurosciences. This is part of John Holdren's yes, paper, yes. where he talks about giving a priority to fundamental biological discovery and changes uh, through uh, changes of behavior using uh, the President's Brain Initiative. <laughs> this is one. Uh, yeah. From the National Strategy for Combating Antibiotic Resistance and the National Strategy for Biosurveillance. How's that for a stretch? <laughs> okay, it but seeks anyway. fundamental principles that cut across habits and biological systems, such as those that govern behaviors uh, in diverse environments. Agencies should prioritize research guided by the National Research Plan for Improving Access to Medical Health Services <clears throat> to identify effective diagnostic treatments from, and methodologies with the aim of improvement of mental health and reducing where, substance abuse disorders as well as other we, right. behavior. This is where we see the intersection of healthcare, artificial intelligence, everything kind of being formulated under the umbrella of healthcare. That's mm-hmm. unfortunate, but and it boils down to under national security, yep. and national and homeland security, and how they're involved. We'll get into on the other side as well so as why other the news, but why the push for healthcare? Absolutely, we'll be right back. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. ...or it's the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers denied and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood.
And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this segment of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Well, you know, um, I, it's been a tremendous uh, first two hours. Of course, Greg Jackson dropped a buy. Folks, if you haven't read or gotten your copy of 40 Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die, order it off Amazon because, you know, we want to push that to number one. And, uh, I know how that works. You know, it's, I was, my book, Stay in My Blood, was, was in the, uh, top 100 of its, uh, genre of all books on Amazon for about 30 seconds. But if there's it, a deserving book, it's great. Oh, it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. Um, before we get back to the globalization initiatives that are taking place right as we speak and, and, and dissecting what's going on, it may sound boring, but hold, hold fast because we're going to connect it all at the end. But before we get back into that, folks, June. Isn't June a time of celebration? You've got Father's Day, you've got graduations taking place, you've got summer officially beginning. And we as Christians, we we follow the Word of God, we follow the Bible, and we know God has created the heavens, math, the stars, all for good, all for our use. It only takes satanic initiatives, satanic ideology, Luciferians, to pervert the word of God, the intent of God. Well, listen to this, folks. This appears, this, or this appeared to, uh, today in today's edition of LA Weekly, Los Angeles Weekly, LA Weekly. Satanists plan to celebrate 6-6-16 in Los Angeles. The Satanic Temple of Los Angeles scheduled festivities for a revered day in the diabolic community. Three sixes, six six sixteen. You can also put that into uh, so the sixteen into a seven. In occult numerology, and then 2016, what does that add up to? That's a nine, which is the uh, three times multiplication of Satan's favorite number three. <laughs> but anyway, the Satanic Temple of Los Angeles. It's got 12 members. They're heading to Lancaster. California on June 6th to take part in the satanic ritual. In fact, they issued a press release. The schedule is secret, but the appearances will be designed to raise awareness of the satanic religion. Now, now here, here's here's what we need to really focus in on. It doesn't matter if you... See, it, 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 people get so hung up on this. Oh, well, that's just BS. Well, no, it's not. Because it's it, it it goes to all all religions of the world. If you go back into into uh, Egypt and and the and ancient the ancient world, many religions they worshipped numerous gods, small g. But when you when you really take it to the to the fine to, to take it down to the bare bones, paganistic, Luciferian worship, sat- satanic worship, Satan worship, 
if you don't think, folks, if you don't think that rituals are taking place in your community, and I don't care whether you live in Peoria, Illinois, or Podug, Kansas, or Nashua, New Hampshire, or Tampa, Florida, it doesn't matter where you live, satanic rituals are taking place all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, now it doesn't matter if you think it's all baloney because it's not. But it, the, the 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 members of the occult societies have a certain belief, and they believe in the power. Just ask Russ Dizdar. Listen to Russ Dizdar right here on the Global Star Radio Network. Listen to him talk about satanic rituals in my book. Again, shameless plug for Stained by Blood which is available on stainbyblood.com or through Amazon. If you want a signed copy, just go to stainbyblood.com and uh, look on the right-hand side. Or Amazon, you can get an unsigned copy. but Or a Kindle, or, um, yeah, a Kindle copy. Shameless plug ends. Anyway, um, the reason I, I brought all of that up is because I did not realize when I was working a murder case the the uh, importance of other people's belief systems and how they believe in satanic rituals and how much satanic ritual abuse is taking place despite the denials of the FBI. Well, here it is, FBI, right in your face. Right in your face, the satanic rituals are being are going to be uh, uh, take place on six six sixteen. But this is kind of a diversion from the actual, the actual uh, 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 summer equinox when the real rituals take place. But, but listen to what they're doing here, real quick. This show's got a lot more to get into. But the pentagram, which is, it's a star with five points. They're using GPS technology. They're going to place the five points of the pentagram so that the pentagram will encompass the entire city of Lancaster, California. In fact, in their press release, which I have here, right here, from the Satanic Temple of Los Angeles, their website, what they're saying is, we are going to envelop your city with the pentagram. When all of the five points are in place, the pentagram is completed. Drawing the symbol around your city represents a solemn promise from us, the Satanic Temple of Los Angeles. We will stand with the good people of the city of Lancaster and struggle for our constitutional right to individual liberty, freedom of expression, and the separation of church and state in your community. To that, folks, I say, damn you. Well, I guess they're damning themselves. Members also plan to deliver their Bible, the Satanic Bible, the seven tenets to Lancaster City leaders. Now, if I was, let me let me give you a hypothetical. If I was a leader in the city of Lancaster, California, and a guy came up to me to hand me the seven tenets, their Satanic Bible. They might have a hard time. They might need a surgeon to take it out of the orifice, which I would put it in. So much for my tolerance of of satanic rituals. 
But I find it interesting, and Joe pointed this out in, in this L.A. Weekly article, where it says if you're looking for ill behavior, you'll probably be better off at a Donald Trump rally. Isn't that an interesting? Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it is. <clears throat> um, but in another interesting aspect of this, this sect, S.E.C.T., has roots at Harvard and Cambridge. Yeah, they make it a point to say these are yeah. not just, you know, the, your run-of-the-mill, uh, uh, you know, religious belief uh, people. This is a, a group consolidated of, of intellectuals from Ivy League institutions. D- yeah, that they say yeah. they stand yeah. up for human rights, civil rights, yeah, and, social and, and political. Justice but, but, on all levels. Now, now, think of it this way, too. This author in this L.A. Weekly uh, column, Dennis Romero, makes it a, makes it also makes it a point to say, um, the group once had a barbecue yeah. where a Trump pinata was bashed. This, according to the group leader, Nugent, or N G U Y E N. Obviously, it's a Vietnamese name. Yeah, the, the leader of this is, uh, and he said that. That was downright civil and just, right? But but the the commentary by this author Romero of L.A. Weekly, his closing statement right before thirty, you know, right before the uh, thirty mark for writers, you know, what I'm talking about. But yawn sounds like a real riot. At least the music's cool. You see, this is the disjointed. This is the disjointed, um, lackadaisical stuff uh, position that that is causing this country and Christians as well to blow this off don't blow this off don't underestimate the importance of this because at the core of this just as Joe is talking about the globalization and the and the various aspects of the globalization with smart cities and the, how all of these dots connect this golden thread of the satanic Luciferian ideology is behind all of it. Because at the, at the root of this, the satanic aspect of this, we are, well, we are, not we, um, people are just, they're not understanding that we are being overtaken. That's right. And it's not only in the satanic religion of the, this whatever this religion is, the satanic temple, Satanism, but listen to this. You talked about, uh, this is from October 9th, 2015. Right. Uh, in, in Kansas. Yeah. Uh, last October, in the... Uh, Wichita State University, a group of mu- uh, Muslims took over a Christian chapel inside the university of uh, this majority Christian school. The Muslims gained control of the Christian prayer area with the help of administrators from Wichita State University. Whoa! Who, in May of 2014, decided to make the university's chap- chapel faith neutral to accommodate Muslim students. University officials ordered workers to remove all the pews and altars inside the Harvey D. Grace Memorial Chapel. Muslim prayer rugs and portable chairs were then brought inside. 
But why is that important today? Uh, We see this interfaith push from the Pope. Yes. Now, the world's first lesbian bishop of a major Christian denomination, Eva Brun, of the Lutheran Church of Sweden, is calling for the removal of crosses and other Christian symbols at the Siemens Church in Freeport so that visiting foreign sailors practicing other religions like Islam will not be offended. <laughs> the Stockholm-based news outlet, SVT.se. But wait, wait, didn't George Bush tell us that that, that uh, Islam and, and uh, Christianity, we worship the same God? That's what he said. But uh, he said, the, most of what he said was uh, an outright lie or an error in... Uh, common sense on his part. So co- the bumper sticker. If you if you're listening to this program and you got a coexist bumper sticker on your bumper, apparently, um, well, you, boy, are you listening to the wrong program? But anyway, that that, that just negates a coexist at its face. Anyway, yeah, and I mean we see this. Um, there was an elderly woman in London. I believe it was London. I saw the headline this morning. Okay. It was stripped naked in the street by 300 plus Muslim mob. Yes. Yes. And paraded down the street nude. There's also talk of Paris burning. Um, and now Pope Francis to address, uh, to address UAE's, uh, the universe, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, the Islamic Council to improve relations between Christians and Muslims at the United Arab Emirates. Pope Francis has been invited to address the United Arab Emirates Islamic Council in efforts to improve relations between Christians and Muslims. A series of talks attended by the United Arab Emirates Muslim Council of Elders has been organized to build bridges between the two religions. Vatican officials suggested the pontiff could be Invited to speak at the next round of talks, which will take which will take place place in Cairo or the Vatican. Oh man! Uh, Al Nuami, chairman of the UAE Islamic Council, said there is a desire from the Holy See to correct the image of Islam and Muslims in Christian society. He suggests this was seen when the Pope welcomed Dr. Ahmed El Taib to the grand the Grand Imam of Al Azhar to the Vatican. Francis was photographed embracing the senior Islamic cleric before speaking privately to him in his office. Usually the Pope does not receive any guests in his office on his own. He always has the central, or I'm sorry, the cardinal and other officials seated on the side, said Al-Nuami. The gesture of hospitality was accompanied by the Pope awarding the Grand Imam with the Medal of Peace. There you go. These things would not have happened two years ago, Al-Nuami said. The latest round of Interfaith talks were held in Paris and attended by Sunni and Shia Muslims, as well as Vatican representatives. After the talks, leaders of faith visited uh, the Bakatan Theater and nearby cafe, both targets of terrorist attacks last November. Uh, El Taibalad, a wealth and prayed for uh, a wreath, brought a wreath and prayed for the victims of the terror attack. He wrote a note alongside the bouquet. Right, and it goes on uh, to say that uh, we have great hope that the free French peaceful, uh, lively people will be able to overcome this tragedy, and we ask Allah to protect you from all this evil. He concluded. Hmm. 
Now that is today from the Christ- that's from ChristianToday.com. Again, the Pope is going to either uh, he's going to have a meeting with with the leaders of the United Arab Emirates right. elders, right. either in Cairo or the Vatican, to speak in a meeting with them. And, as and part if, of interfaith. If, if you are a Catholic and you're okay with this, then I would urge you to reexamine your 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 Christian the tendency of your, your your Christian faith because this is not correct I in my view anyway <laughs> okay in, in any in any way um, the this is not mere coexistence this is not uh, um, as they as they used to say of course during the Cold War peaceful coexistence this is about merging the merging of the the faiths into a single world religion at the end of the day now it is so important to re- expose the tactics as we are trying to do here and and help people to understand what's taking place satanism by the way does play a very key role in this and it is again the 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 um in in the mosaic of of this one world religion it, satanism is the the thread that holds together all of these these little uh, uh, pieces, but let me move on because I'm going to give you ample time to get through what you're talking about about the globalist uh, agenda. I want everyone to know that every year, j- just so people know, every year the Senate they issue an intelligence authorization. They pass this intelligence bill, and they do so in secret. Of course, now it's it's under uh, it, it's it, it will be passed. And you're not hearing about this anywhere, really. Uh, every year, the Senate, during their annual intelligence authorization, they pass a bill. For example, the the, the Patriot Act, NDAA, all of these things combined, it's through the Senate that this becomes law. Well, guess what? There was a provision here this past week during the Senate's annual intelligence authorization, the text of which is secret. You can't read it. It's a law that's being passed. But a provision was snuck in that would give the FBI the ability to demand individuals' email data and web surfing history Mm-hmm. from their ISPs without warrant and with incomplete secrecy. So in other words, you could be the target of an FBI investigation. And unless your name is Hillary Diane Rodham Clinton, <laughs> you don't get a free pass. The change would expand the reach of the FBI's already highly controversial national security letters. Now, bear in mind, the FBI right now is currently allowed to get certain types of information um, with national security letters. Examples such as information about the name, the address, call data associated with the phone number, we'll say, or details about a bank account. If you that you're, The FBI can get that. And since 2008... The FBI has not been allowed to use national security letters to demand electronic communication transactional records, meaning email subject lines and other metadata, or even the websites visited. 
Now, that doesn't mean they're not doing it, but it's just not legal for them to do it. It's not part of it. It's not codified or codified. And tomorrow, when Ted Brewer joins us, we're going to be talking about this as well. But see, the bill passed the Senate Intelligence Committee this past Tuesday with this provision in it. And once more, just to be clear on this, the provision is this, and it's secret. It would give the FBI the ability to demand your email data, your web surfing history from your web internet or internet service provider without any warrant, no warrants necessary, and no one's got to tell you. Okay, that's, uh, no, no. There was one person who said, no, 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 we can't do this. That was Senator Ron Wyden from Oregon. Blow me away. He wrote in a statement that one of the bill's provisions would allow any FBI field office to demand email records without a court order, which is a major expansion of the federal surveillance powers. Well, hmm. Count on it, folks. Your entire life. You might as well just, you might as well write your social security number, your date of birth, and all of your secrets, all of your passwords, all of your bank information on the back of a postcard. Yeah. Or publish it to Facebook because. (laughs) Well, listen to this. There it is. You know, tied into what you're talking about. There you go. Okay, go ahead. From the National Telecommunications and Information Administration was just released a paper, a guidance kind of like the transgender bathroom school guidances. Significant guidance. Benefits, challenges, potential roles for the government in fostering the advancement of the Internet of Things. And in the summary, it says, recognizing the vital importance of the Internet to U.S. innovation, prosperity, civic and cultural life, the Department of Commerce has made a top priority to encourage growth of the digital economy and to ensure that the Internet remains an open platform for innovation. Thus, as part of the Department's digital economic agenda, the National Telecommunications and Information Administration is initiating an inquiry regarding the Internet of Things, a review of the current technological and political landscape. So, okay, just to be clear, though, the Internet of Things, I mean, we need to get the Internet of Things here. is... Uh, a public-private partnership. Basically, the Internet of Things is using technology to c- to connect everything. All right. To everything else. So, from from from, from an electric meter to to electric meters from uh, to healthcare I mean. databases to economics. I mean, why in this? Uh, as they say, you know, um, what they have here from the Federal Health IT Strategic Plan 2015 to 2020. Uh, they say they have a collective efforts of 35-plus federal agencies uh, to modernize health IT infrastructure to support the use of electronic health information for a multitude of purposes. The Health IT Strategic Plan sets five-year missions for, one, high-quality care, two, lower costs, three, healthy population, four, engaging people, and five, uh, a global health framework. They want this... Uh, series of principles to be what they focus on, focus on value, to be person-centered, respecting individual preference, build a culture of electric 
electronic health information access and use. Right. The federal health partners that use and influence health IT are committed to work in concert to achieve the goals and objectives that support this national vision. Partners will hold themselves publicly accountable and work with stakeholders to access progress as the health IT infrastructure advances the new health and technology needs that arise. Now, what are these new health and... We have the... uh, did, uh, department's digital economy agenda wrapped up in this Internet of Things, as well as the public health safety. Now, what is the digital agenda? The Commerce Department's digital economy agenda has rolled out an agent, agency-wide economic agenda to ensure America's businesses and consumers thrive at a time of rapid technological change and global competition goes on to say the department's 12 bureaus, 47,000 employees located in all 50 states and 86 countries are behind the department's innovative agenda and data in, uh, in, I'm sorry, initiatives. The digital economy agenda is designed to create a coordinated, strategic, department-wide program of work to support industry and consumers and the transformative power of the Internet and other digital technology. Okay. I mean, let's kind of distill it down into digestible chunks here. Okay, on the health end. All right. The FDA is spearheading the effort to protect public health while they say not imposing unnecessary uh, restrictions or actions from citizens yet. This level of uh, new standards of precision uh, medicine and tracking and inventory control has to be rolled out. The industry is exploring a variety of measures, but one of these is RFID technology, radio frequency identification. They say it offers unique benefits and advantages. It includes the uh, applicability, efficiency, and achieving the required supply chain Precision, minimal associated labor, and reduced likelihood of human error. Most people understand RFID. The scope of its application here requires further elaboration. The foot soldier in RFID is the chip or a tag. Generally, it's a small device that can transmit stored information with an internal power source. And, folks, you all are going, if you have a debit card from your bank, you all are going to, if you haven't already been converted into a card with a chip, it will be in your near future. Okay, the the chip is a critical component into all things digital now. Yeah. From your driver's license to your passport to your bank card, that's important. Just so you understand that. It says this is the final element needed. Um, you have the tag right, and a transmitter, and you have the user. And the Internet of Things is, is connecting everything to the Internet. This is why they're expanding, expanding broadband and Wi-Fi technologies. If you go through the Smart Cities Initiative, they list 10 and then 25 cities where they are going to increase the uh, ability and the increase the internet uh, free citywide right and they are transforming um, every area they possibly can from the behavioral changes to social changes to motivational support 
and they say that the need for significant health care transformation has been recognized by a number of organizations, including the president so, okay, and his but, council of advisors on uh, science and technology. Now, we're, we're so we're okay, but we need we again we need to kind of hone this down into digestible, understandable parts because to me right now okay, this well, is here. like really unclear. Not your fault, but it's unclear to me. What are we getting at here? Well, what we're getting at here is that there is a new healthcare system, right? That is based around collaborative efforts of international uh, organizations that are seeking to consolidate medicine, economics, okay, behavior. So, so this is a globalization techn- of healthcare. Well, it's a it's a globalization, uh, it, yes, of healthcare of the economy of behavior. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, Tracking, from implementing uh, the uh, RFID device to a person that transmits real-time health information. So everyone's going to be, so what you're saying is everyone's going to be assigned a chip or have a chip. Absolutely. And And, and you have a global identification, a global unique identification number that's already, uh, that's been passed in December of 2015. Okay. And it's in the law. They have the uh, system set up to handle uh, all the uh, new data that will be coming. These it's a large scale database. So, uh, so these new technologies okay. all right. will start off as health centered, but they will end up being much more than that. They so, will encompass the economy. They will, uh, and it messes with you said with your DNA. It. it Breaks down the molecular. Okay, wait, 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 wait. How can how can it ship on a card? We'll say, or on a, on a wristband, uh, somebody in the hospital. Or how can that mess with your DNA? The scientific uh, explanation, I'm not too sure of, but the same way it will deliver medicine. Now, I don't understand how this works. Kind of like 3D printing, if you think about it. Once you receive whatever receiver they want you. They design because remember this is person centric care. They want a national database for all real time health information, right? Like sensor technology or medical devices, as they call it, uh, and machine learning technology. And they are going to, and they say for a number of reasons for emergency use. Uh, so they, you know, and you see the reports on the news. You know, your pets have chips in their ears. What if your child got lost? Would you want a system right. to be able okay, to find your child? Now you're talking about somebody who actually has a chip implanted in them. We know that mili- some military, uh, high pro- high-ranking military people, and also diplomats have chips in the event of kidnapping and stuff in their bodies. So, yeah, and they say so, RFIDs will uh, people will be initially and individually tagged, right? And the information, the biometric information, uh, will be able to be accessed only by authorized personnel, but the information will start with health, real-time health information that will go from your doctor to you. Okay, so stop right there, because I, I think, and this is probably the most uh, information for for people. If you wonder why, if you go back four years, five years, six years, whatever, and you wonder why Obamacare was pushed through the way it was, the answer to that is 
the health care was needed in order to set the stage for the shipping or the yeah, the shipping of, of everyone, basically. This is not just about American health care. This is about the globalization of health care and the uh, snagging of, of, of not just American economy, but all of the, the entire economy. And the shipping, the whole, all of this. And it's not just a, a U.S. initiative. No, no, as I said, it's all yeah. global. But the bottom line here with this is they had to pass this to get America on board with the globalist agenda. So the healthcare will integrate with trade. The healthcare will integrate with, with your wages. Yeah, let's look just at the U.S. law. Code of Federal Regulations, Title 21, Section 801.3. It's uh, general labeling provisions, right. definitions. It says automatic... Automatic Identification and Data Capture, AIDC, means any technology that conveys the unique device identifier or device identifier or device in a form that can be entered into an electronic patient record or other computer system via an automated process. Okay. Now, as I told you, the Food and Drug Administration's um, finished device means any device or accessory to a device that is suitable for use and capable of functioning. A global, unique device identification database, which is G-U-D-I-D, the acronym, means the database that serves as the repository of information to facilitate the identification of medical devices through their distribution and use. So you have the global, unique device identification database, okay, which will number every device, which will be like a security, uh, uh, social security number, for every person, as each device has a number and is implanted into a person, that number transfers to the person and to the device. They become one and the same. Uh, they've been studying human tissues and cells, learning how to implant uh, a device. An implantable device means a device that is intended to be placed in a surgically or naturally formed cavity of the human body. Now, remember, I'm reading U.S. law here. A device is regarded as an implantable device for the purpose of this part. Uh, it is intended to remain implanted continuously unless the commissioner of food and drugs determines otherwise. Okay, so we don't lose people human health. So we don't lose people. I just want to make it clear because this is complicated. It's complex. There's many layers to it. We're talking about now some beast computer somewhere yes. keeping track of everybody with the chip and everyone's going to have a chip. Um, there will be a universal product code. UPC. Yep, which means the uh, product identifier used to identify an item yeah. sold at retail in the United States. Right. Now, this will become we global. Have that. Okay. And it's a mandatory. The, right. This device identifier is a mandatory fixed portion uh, that identifies the specific version or model of device or labeler. Now, you have a whole list of things here. Uh, they talk about the shipping. They talk about the unique device identifier. And uh, uh, what's her name? Catherine Albrecht? Yeah. Go she ahead. wrote a book on this, and she right. talks about how many numbers you would need to number every person in the human population today on Earth. Okay. And I forget how many. I think it's z- uh, 32 zeros. Or a, a well, I'm not sure it would really be. numbers long? Yeah, I'm not sure it would be that necessary. I mean, you're but talking. You could number every person, every item 
but like every uh I talk about the Walmart system. They ha- use RFID where uh if somebody buys we'll say a certain brand and model of TV when it is scanned as being purchased, it automatically submits a, a request to refill that item in the store. Right, which which is kind of a good thing for for retailers. Right, uh, it's used when it's used for such purposes. All right, but now we're talking about human beings being those TVs. Right. Okay. So human beings as, as human, a, a yes. commodity. A human step of having to physically go into the hospital storage unit and couch. It says the the least burdensome approach is the what they deem this as, and they say that you know basically your doctor can monitor your health and see potential health hazards before they happen with this system. But not only does it do that, it can track every transaction. Every step you take, everything you intake into your body, okay, but, in but, real but, time. But, but how practical is this in your research? Let me just ask you this: This sounds far beyond any anything capable right now that we're capable of, of doing. It's not. It is here. Um, I think the only thing they have left to do is decide how to manage the companies that have the existing technology. Um, to so, be the, okay, the, but why should they? Why should they care? Why should any? First of okay, all, who, who, Bible, who, who, who? Wait a second. Who would superintend this? Who would? Who would manage the this? The United Nations. Okay. All right. Is behind the the whole thing. Um, but you know, at the White House. To I mean, there are whole. Uh, but under what said, pretext? Thirty-five agencies. You have health IT. Uh, .gov, you have NIST, you have the FDA, you have the EPA, you have the White House's own... Um, uh, but, okay, but wait a second. What, what would cause, or what would... Uh, per, per, the, the average guy on the street, or woman on the street, or the person, the average person Like the there. Bible says, you take this chip, be part of this community, because it's an all-encompassing community, or you have no right to buy or sell, but see, I don't, I don't think your information Joe, I, frankly, and participation I, is um, needed. Okay, so to improve and maintain human health. You find all of this background information. I get this. You find all of the, the, the rules, regulations, the, the codes, and all this. But you can't tell me right now, even with the most cynical of people to conspiracy facts out there, even the most cynical, skeptical. If somebody approached, or if the government said, "Look, you're going to need to take this chip. We we need to put this chip in your armor, your head, or whatever," you, you, the blowback right now today, I don't believe it would. You, I don't believe you can accomplish this. Okay, well let's look. Let's do this. Let's look at. I'm playing devil's advocate. Oh, right? I know, and uh, I'm glad you're doing so. I want to pull this up. Obamacare implant. Now, this is uh, a site that talked about it's Obamacare facts Obamacare implant Obamacare microchip RFID myth what is the truth behind the microchip implant rumor now this is an article back from uh, 2009 or 2010 I believe right. it says what when we look at the truth behind Obamacare and RFID chip myth that claims the Affordable Care Act contains mandatory microchip implants and data collection but it's that was a false. Uh, That's what they say here, and okay. they say the RFID rumor is one 
of more persuasive Obamacare myths, but where did it come from? And it says, the rumor arises from uh, misreading of an old version of the Affordable Health Care Act. In that old uh, act, H.R. 3200 was an unsuccessful bill um, in which, on page 101, included an amendment, 519, which is a different law, the Food and Drug Cosmetic Act, which allowed for data collection to facilitate analysts of post-market safety and outcomes data from Class II devices. Now, a Class II device is very simple. It's just an RFID chip. Class II device, RFID transponder system for patient identification and health information. Um, anyway, this whole paper argues on why Obamacare does not allow for uh, chipping of the population. But in the end, it goes on to say, implanting microchips isn't something Obamacare does or can do. The Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act is a law that anyone can pick up and read. The law discusses data collection in general, but makes no mention of mandatory implants or data collection from those implants. Okay. As technology moves forward, we are sure to see a wide range of smart devices that can rely on important information like health data and data about the device itself. Okay, stop stop right there because I just got an email from George B., okay, explaining kind of right here in this, right in this exact area you're talking about. He writes this, Your Ethernet device, including Wi-Fi, has a media access control address. So... Humans would have their own MAC address to be integrated into the Internet of Things. Mm-hmm. Okay, which speaks kind of to wh- where you're at in the, in the in this paragraph. If, if this was a conversation right here, all right. So okay, I get that. All right, thank you, George, for for that email. And so people are listening to this and, and they're getting this and they're understanding this. Um, thank you for for that. Go on. Now, uh, in this RFID, Obamacare RFID myths, it says that it gives all these reasons why it's not mandatory, but they say to summarize, yeah. an early version of the law, H.R. 3200, contained wording that potentially opened a gateway for the collection of data from RFID implants. The language was dropped before the current law passed. The final version includes sections that allow for different types of electronic data collection, albeit not from a Class two device, such as an RFID, it includes protocols on the transfer of medical records between physicians, guidelines on the collection of medical and non-medical data for quality control, and new stat- standards for codification. That was the GUDID, uh, Global Unique Device Identification uh, Database. A mandatory Obamacare RFID implant is a myth, but the chips aren't. RFID use will be something that we as a people will be discussing in the near future, although they have a lot of potential for medical and safety benefits. They also pose risks to privacy, uh, some which are illustrated below. Then it goes on to list, you know, the different pros and cons, and it says, it gives examples of the myth, and it even quotes scripture in here, but it does say um, about these myths. To reiterate, the chip is a myth completely made up and spread through chain emails. Um, it says that the law, affordable health care law, does not uh, make implementing RFID chips legal, but it does leave the door open for 
chips to be, uh, be used for health care and data collection. Although Obamacare does not have a microchip implant mandate, these new wide range, uh, the new smart devices have a wide range of potential for health data and patient information. Okay, but I I just logged on to my own healthcare, and this is kind of going twisting this a little bit. And if if you're a member, for example, of uh, various uh, health groups, HMOs, and such, and I just logged on to my own, um, I don't know interface health interface where you can actually look up your test results for example your medications your conditions you have an electronic health record page? well yeah uh, unfortunately or fortunately but nonetheless um so i can see okay so yeah. I, I guess the reason i said that is cuz i can see now where where this this is in, can be integrated with and it can be integrated in many ways. There was a report to Congress in February of 2016 for the adoption of health information technology to facilitate the electronic use and exchange of health information. And, uh, it was, it's a, this is an up, update to the Congress on the adaptation of a nationwide system no later than two years after this date. The Secretary of Health and Human Services shall, shall submit an appropriate uh, committees of jurisdiction to the House of Representatives and the Senate, a report that describes the specific, specific actions that will be taken by the federal government and private entities to facilitate the adoption of a nationwide system for electronic use and exchange of health information, describes the barriers to the adaptation of such a na- nationwide system, contains recommendation to a achieve full implementation of a nationwide system. Okay. The Secretary of Health and Human Services submitted the report requested by Section 13.113 on January 17, 2012. Um, and it goes through uh, the executive summary, the introduction, critical actions, progress updates, key barriers, the Health and Human Services efforts to gather and use these recommendations and the conclusions. Now, if you look at the conclusion on this report, it says, in the six years since the High Tech Act was enacted, the nation has seen dramatic advancement in the use and adaptation of health IT or health technology. Okay, we're, we're getting close to the top or the end of the program, so let's kind of summarize this and then kind of intersect the lines here because I don't want people to get too off okay, confused. Okay, priority actions over the next years will focus on continuing to build the economic case for interoperability on private-public partnerships, ensuring the implementation of a robust policy with privacy and security protections. The nation needs an interoperable health system that empowers individuals to use their electronic health information to the fullest extent. Well, and and this is part one. There's three parts. Right. You have uh, part one, uh, part two, and part three. Part three is what is mandatory January 1st, 2018. Part two is what we are in now. But what you are seeing is... uh, your health records, past and present, being changed to an electronic format. What you're well, not we seeing, saw that. Okay, what yeah. you're not seeing is your real-time health records being put into an electronic format, meaning you're not seeing the results of a device implanted in you showing the doctors your real-time 
But blood we pressure. wouldn't have that. You We're will not going to see that. You will see that. That is what the system is. But the, you're going to tell me that the doctor is going to say, we're going to put something, we're going to put a chip in you to monitor your health. Absolutely. This precision me, uh, medicine initiative um, is a a way to explain it to people, I guess. And, you know, you talked about post-market surveillance, the, the surveillance system through medical devices. Um, this is from back in 2012. It talks about using uh, for communities to use uh, these personal uh, medical devices to facilitate um, new uh, to fulfill the vision for the national security system. One, they wanted to establish the unique device identification system and they did that to promote the development of a national device registry to develop new methods for evidence generation it's a key national and international security issue. Not only that, okay. they All are right. going to um, engage the public to be part of this. And it and it says that this is a broad, patient-captured, real-world, uh, scalable, and reusable infrastructure. Okay, well, just stop there because uh, real-time analysis uh, of data. Okay. Here's what we're going to have to do on this. We're going to have to really expose this well beyond anything we could do in the next three minutes before the end of the program. Um, folks, understand this. The, the surveillance of all of us is being, will be, is being conducted through our health, with the health system. This is why the Health Care Act had to be passed the, w- the way it was. Mm-hmm. There's talk about, about redoing the Health Care Act and even revoking it or, you know, repealing it. It's not going to happen. And if it is, a concurrent type of health um, uh, uh, plan will be in its place. But this does. And don't forget the, the smart city. The, right. This this all connects into the the Internet of Things, as the emailer had said. So all of this is being pushed toward an electronic surveillance of every human across the planet mm-hmm. in the United States being at the epicenter, the healthcare system, but also the financial system, which I think would tie everything else together. And starting in America. Yeah. Yes. America is, and it says it in the laws, it will start here, and it will start with incentivated pilot programs. And, and here it is. And how long will this take? It's not going to take that long, as Joe had pointed out. We will uh, we will do special and, and more coherent, not that this wasn't, but more, well, wasn't more, that more uh, focused, laser-like uh, um, uh, exposés on this because we're seeing this take place right now. I logged in during the show on my own interface, my health interface, to check my records. And let me tell you, they're right there. They're online. And you might say, well, they've always been, you know, it's since the Internet is, is but no, no, not to this extent. I'm talking about well, having blood drawn at 2 o'clock and, or 9 o'clock in the morning and getting the results at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. That's pretty interesting. I would encourage everybody to talk to their doctor and see if they uh, can find access to their own electronic health information. And, and that's important. Documents like this, monitoring progress towards universal health coverage at a country level and global levels. Why would the World Bank publish a, a paper? The World this? Bank, and see, there is the overlap, the IRS, the enforcement, the World Bank, the, the, the major banks being uh, at the at the epicenter as well. Look at the President's Brain Initiative, the uh, Biometric Initiative. Yes. He, he has 
the executive order, one of the first ones he launched, November 24th, 2009, where he says the intersection of of scientific technology and human rights would intersect. What does that mean? It can only mean one thing. Yes, you know what that is. All right, before we close out the program, I got a couple of emails, one from a SWAT a member of SWAT team, uh, uh, another from a a patrol officer. Please, they're not on their way here, are they? No, <laughs> no, 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 and, and they're friends. But uh, please address the um, anti-Trump riots, uh, protests. But you know what, folks, they're riots coming to a town near you, a city near you, a location near you. Orchestrated riots under the guise of well, ostensibly anti-Trump. Um, Folks, the fourteen were arrested at, at at a Trump rally in Anaheim yeah. today. Was that you, today or yesterday? Um, Wednesday. I'm sorry, Wednesday. You've got you've got this visceral hatred of Donald Trump, which is interesting. And it's, but it's deadly. <laughs> and yeah, it's right. It's it's all blamed on Trump. And you've got Stephen King. Oh yeah, Stephen King leading. Yeah, a boycott of authors. It's ridiculous. Never. Well, I mean, there you go. King saying uh, Trump should, as a matter of conscience, basically. Everyone should, as a matter of conscience, oppose Donald Trump. Folks, tomorrow, Ted Brower, thank you so much for tuning in to us tonight. Have a great night. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Breaking news.